to get the week started. I'm excited for this week. Can't explain why, but I am. Get us started off with my family. My Jano Radio family, my QMZ Radio family, and my Clubhouse family. Gotta start the day off with some soca music to wake us up. Get that blood pumping. Get us excited. with soca music i'm sorry soca till i die 
morning to all of our listeners around the world. Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Good morning to everyone listening online on JanoRadio.com. And of course, gotta say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Monday, October 31, Move It Monday, and we do it in soca style. Some say happy Halloween. I'm sorry, I don't celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. until 12 p.m. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can follow me on Twitter at me Media Moments, on Instagram Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and you can also find me on TikTok Moments with Me Media. And the mean everything is M I. One cup of coffee. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. In the Caribbean corner, BAS CEO argues that importing poultry is unnecessary. And that story is out of Barbados. Out of Guyana, attorney arrested for advising client to stay silent. In Jamaica, Luidas Vale residents willing to regularize. Golding says eviction notice must be an error. In news out of North America, Elon Musk tweets conspiracy theory about Pelosi attack. Justices passed affirmative action views in their own words. U.S. midterm elections, why five states have slavery on the ballot in 2022. An international new suspension bridge collapse kills at least 133 in India. South Korea probes Halloween our crowd surges nation mourns latin america lula defeats bolsonaro to again become brazil's president in business and tech news new study ranks airlines and airports who lost the most luggage chicago o'hare is number one in health and science news a man's breast cancer journey seven years and three surgeries later In sports news, Matt Barnes does not support the idea of trans women playing in the WNBA. He said, I think crossing that line is a line that should not be crossed. In Believe It or Not stories, a man says his supersized genitalia cost him a new job. In entertainment news, Diddy replaces Ye in Billionaires Club in 2022 list of wealthiest hip-hop artists. We're going to have the details of these stories and more right after a little more soca to get us up and going. Oh, na 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 na. Oh, na na na. Oh, na 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 na. Oh, na na na. Oh, na na na. This is an emergency. I beg in Police roll up like they want to come. 
up to giving me, curing me, so I really need your remedy. Raise the vibe in me, give me waistline therapy, push back on me till you make me say, nah, nah, oh, na na na.
way to get involved in the 50 squats a day challenge that we're doing to honor breast cancer awareness. It's not too late. If you can manage to do 50 times 31, be my guest. I haven't done mine yet, but I'll definitely be doing it on the next music break. It's an easy one, two, three, and this music makes it easier. So 50 squats, not too bad, right? Coming up right after this one from Skin and Fabulous, we're going to get into the details and we're starting off with stories out of the Caribbean corner. Keep it locked. to all our listeners logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com thank you to everyone logged on and locked in listening on janoradio.com and thank you everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me you're listening to coffee and toe world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views don't forget to follow me on twitter me media moments on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and you can also find me on tiktok moments with me media and it's time for us to get started with the details and of course we're starting off with caribbean corner Our Caribbean Corner stories are courtesy of Barbados.loopnews.com, Caribbean.loopnews.com, and Jamaica.loopnews.com. First up, we start off in Barbados. BAS CEO argues that importing quality, well, importing poultry, period is unnecessary. The Chief Executive Office of the Barbados Agriculture Society, James Paul, is advocating for the discontinuation of imported chicken to Barbados. And I can't say I disagree with him. I'm going to give him a round of applause for that one. During the BAS Annual General Assembly at the Lloyd Erskine Sandiford Center on Saturday, October 29, Paul revealed that Barbados is well on its way to producing 10 million birds by year end. This is a clear indicator that the industry has enough to supply the local market. And he said, and I quote, there is absolutely no need to import chicken wings to supplement the local requirement of poultry. In the case of the poultry industry this year, we basically have produced so far 7.3 million birds this year. We're hoping that by the end of the normal calendar year, we're hoping to have 10 million birds, and I think we should be able to get that done. 
It demonstrates that the industry has the capacity to adequately supply the local market. And I want to say this, there is absolutely no need to import. I agree. He argued that years ago, Barbados did not import any chicken wings and high levels of production were recording during this period. However, it seems that the importers are able to convince our policymakers into believing that the importation of chicken wings is necessary, which has not been pointed out. This is the fact that Barbados at a point in time did not need to import and no one missed it. You know something? I stand with him. 110%. I do. There is absolutely no reason for any island in the Caribbean to be importing chicken, period. Whether it's legs, thighs, or if you want to say cord, leg quarters, chicken back. Can you imagine we import chicken back to Jamaica? Would you believe that? Yeah. There is no need. chicken can be had locally what the government needs to do is see to it that the um necessary products with rearing chickens are made affordable that is the issue all right there's no way and how do we know the quality of what we're getting from overseas i saw a video the other day um a little disturbing and i really hope it's not true right um and in the video chicken that was years old was being imported to an island no unacceptable so good job barbados um step up i agree our next story we head on over to the cayman islands two of three missing teens have been located as an update on the teens reported missing police confirmed that michaela cunningham and Austina Williams have returned home and both appear to be in good health. Jasmine Ebanks remains missing at this time and she is encouraged to return home or to the nearest police station immediately. The RCIPS thanks the public for their assistance and continue to request their assistance in locating uh, Jasmine at this time. And just to bring you up to, to speed from a previous story, there was an issue, an alert for three missing teens in the Cayman Islands. Um, Jasmine Banks, age 14, departed her home for John Gray High School on Thursday morning, October 27, and had not returned home since. She was last seen wearing her John Gray High School uniform, described as five feet, four inches tall, dark complexion, and medium built. So we're, they're still looking for her in the Cayman Islands. However, Michaela Cunningham, 12, Austina Williams, 13, left their Bottentown home on Friday for the Clifton Hunter High School, both in their school uniforms, and did not return home on the school bus as expected. Michaela is described as having, well, they gave her description, well, she's home now, so no need for us to um, give an update on those two young ladies. We're just grateful. They're back with their family. Um not sure if it was a plan not to go to school that day or if it's a kidnapping an abduction we don't know but we are going to continue to pray for jasmine to make it back home in our next story okay that one seems to have been removed we'll just keep it going burn a boy 
Um, let me tell you, these um, residents of Dominica, wow. Or is it just the Caribbean? When somebody doesn't show up, we go crazy. Well, Burner Boy finally made it to Dominica. He should have performed on Saturday at the um, concert, the event they were having. However, you know, the World Creole Music Festival that goes on there. He was slated to perform for 90 minutes on night two of the event however he did not show up and the audience of close to twenty thousand held nothing back while expressing their disappointment when it was announced that the afrobeat star did not make it on the island in time for his performance a part of his team was there though they arrived on saturday but he got stuck in curacao anyway he made it there and he was able to perform on sunday night so um here in Miami, I've noticed something. There was a time, especially in a particular station, when they would run their ads, you know, their station ads during the day and at night, and you would hear them say things like, tune in for the best in um, R&B and hip-hop and um, rap and reggae. Oh, they don't say reggae anymore. They dropped that. It's now Afrobeats. So are we losing our relevance? And what could be causing that? Because you're hearing more Afrobeats on the stations here in Miami now um, than you're hearing dancehall or reggae. Is that a wake-up call for us? Do we need to wake up? And really pay attention to the quality of what we're putting out. Now, we may not necessarily understand what the Af some of what the Afrobeat songs are saying, but they are securing their spot. Let's just say that. Let us just say that. Good morning, Javette. Good morning, Moments. How are you? I am well, and how are you doing? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm still laying in my bed. Yay. Lucky you. <laughs> I'll lucky grudge you. I'm working from home today. I guess this is why some corporate um, places don't want you to work from home, right? <laughs> <laughs> they know. They know. Technically, I don't start yet. Okay, okay let good. me just throw that out there since good. we're on air. I don't start yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Enjoy every second. <laughs> um, regarding the uh, usage or switch of the type of music, mm -hmm. for me, I, I just think maybe it's um, just highlighting the new trend in music, which is kind of Afrobeats. Mm -hmm. Um we do question some of the songs being made, um, ex especially because they're so explicit. Right. You know, even as you spoke, and there's times you cannot find a clean one to put on air. Right. So, yeah, maybe that is something that these artists do need to think about. Right. Um, it seemed that one time you'd have a clean version for the radio and then you'd have one for everywhere else yeah. but that trend seems to i think have changed as well so i'll just say that yeah um i'm 
not here to stifle anyone's creativity, right? And a lot of times people will sing about what they know. But what I have been finding with dance hall is that <sighs> I can't play it around my kids, period. I just can't. I have to put my AirPods in if I want to listen. And there are some that I just have to walk away from. After a while, I'm like, no, I can't do this anymore. That's the honest truth. I, I just got to walk away. It is, is there another word besides explicit that is more grave than the word explicit to tell you the degree? I'm like, oh my gosh. Between how to murder people and how to have sex with people, I'm like, oh Lord. Whew. no yeah the, you don't you don't need an imagination anymore and i feel this even me i don't have any young um kids that i have to um censor but i can't even listen to some of these songs <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i i i love music let me when i say love music that music is my safe space. Right. But when you assault my ears, I, <laughs> I can't take it. I, I really can't. There, there's no imagination. You know, there's one things about songs and songs have always been explicit. We've, we've spoken on that before. Right. right. Or let me not say explicit. Songs used to, there were some things that you just needed your imagination for. And, and, and that's what makes it enjoyable at times. But when you just come straight out and tell me to stab, <laughs> kill, and other things, mm, okay. Yeah. So I will say to the dance hall fraternity, um, wake up. Wake up. And even on uh, TikTok or Instagram, you're seeing the use of more Afrobeats songs than you're seeing um, dancehall. There was a time when you would see a lot of challenges, dancehall versus Afrobeats, the dance styles. And now what I'm seeing is um, Ghana versus Nigeria, Cameroon versus Ghana. So the countries in, on the continent are now competing against each other for who does the better Afrobeats dance or who has the better Afrobeats uh, mix. Even here in the U.S., there is a higher demand for Afrobeats than there is for dance hall now. So we're going to have to go, go back to the drawing board. I have heard conversations about, oh, people need to fit in with us. We don't need to fit in with anybody. Well, guess what? Sometimes you do. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. And it's ultimately, ultimately going to hurt your bottom line, right? Everybody's trying to make money, so you got to think carefully. Um, if your song cannot get played on the airwaves, that's a problem. Because not everybody goes to YouTube. Not everybody goes to different um, music outlets, on apps right some people do just listen to the radio and that will pique an interest for them like oh let me see who this person is let me go find out more but if your song can't be played you're limiting your audience right don't limit yourselves definitely don't i think we need to expand our creativity just a little bit more so burn a boy he's been busy hope he doesn't get burnt out right
Next up, our story is uh, about Jada Ross out of the SVG, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So Jada Ross wins Miss SVGs, but social media is unhappy with her victory. Ross, who represented the National Lottery's Authority of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, outshined seven other beauties at the Arnus Vale Sporting Complex to win the pageant, which was dubbed the Royal Return after being cancelled for the last two years due to the pandemic. She also won the Best Talent and Interview Awards, and her community project placed second. Ross is an aspiring professional athlete, actress, and media influencer. The 21-year-old fulfilled one of her life dreams this summer when she represented St. Vincent and the Grenadines in squash at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. News of the prospect beauty's victory was not met with celebration by some on social media who claimed the contest was rigged and that the real winner was Shadin or Shadine McLean. Interesting. We all know who the real winner is, they say. You are our queen, and no one can take that away from you. Who God bless, no man curse. Great things are in your future. Okay, so not sure what happened over there, but people are not too happy with the choice. All right, moving on, we head over to Guyana. An attorney has been arrested after advising client to stay silent. Members of the Guyana Police Forces Special Organized Crime Unit detained an attorney after she told her client to exercise his constitutional right to remain silent. At a media conference following her release from police custody, attorney Tamika Clark expressed her displeasure about what took place. Clark said an investigating officer told her that the advice she gave her client is considered obstruction of justice. The client, the attorney, claimed the officer said earlier that counsel would need counsel if her client, who is charged with computer-related fraud, did not give a statement to police. She explained that on visiting SOCU's office, a statement was prepared and her client was asked to read and sign it. Her client was later released without signing the prepared statement that was prepared using information he provided during a video interview. Clark's attorney, Nigel Hughes, condemned the actions of the police saying that they violated the Constitution. He called it a dirty, nasty assault on the rule of law. The Constitution entitles every citizen of this country to remain silent if they are a suspect or if they are the target of an investigation. So, if you are arrested, you do not have to provide any information to the police other than your name and address, he said. Hughes said the incident sets a dangerous precedent as the police take an oath to uphold the rule of law. He lamented that police acted high-handed and refused Clark's attorney access to her until the matter was highlighted by local and international media. Hughes said Clark plans to take legal action against the police force to ensure that this does not happen to any other member of the legal profession in Guyana. The legal fraternity has taken the police 
forced to task for the arrest. In a statement, the Guyana Bar Association said it unreservedly and unequivocally condemns the actions of the police. Such action is disturbing, perverse, unlawful, oppressive, and wholly unacceptable. It has called on the Commission of Police to issue an apology to Clark, as well as compensate her for the unlawful arrest and launch a full investigation into the matter. There has to be more to this, really. Because if the Constitution allows for one to exercise the right to remain silent, and the attorney advises her client to do so, how is it then considered an obstruction of justice? That makes absolutely no sense to me. So I'm not sure if we're missing some moving parts in this here, but based on what we have been provided with, um, the police were in the wrong. So the lawyer had to get a lawyer. Clark said an investigating officer told her that the advice she gave her client is considered obstruction of justice. So are we then questioning um, what the attorney knows as far as laws? <laughs> oh boy. Um, next up. Term Finance acquires Fast Cash Barbados, SVG, and Carib Cash Jamaica. Following Term Finance's acquisition and integration of Fast Cash out of St. Lucia, the company has moved to acquire Fast Cash Barbados, Fast Cash St. Vincent, and Carib Cash Jamaica. The two entities signed asset purchase agreements on October 26, 2022. Term Finance will be adding the Fast Cash and Carib Cash brands to its portfolio and will maintain most of the current operations on each island. What the employees of Fast Cash and Carib Cash have achieved over their years of existence and through the COVID pandemic is really impressive. We want to retain their skills and market knowledge as we bring these two entities together. This deal puts Term Finance directly in touch with over 100,000 creditworthy employees and small businesses across the Caribbean and positions the company to grow on its, or will continue to grow on its growth mission. It's the first time hearing about this company. I didn't even fast cash. Okay, so now of course, and carry cash. So of course I have to jump on Google real quick because I was not familiar with them. Anybody from Carib Cash? Oh, it's a loan. Okay, so Carib Cash is a loan agency out of Jamaica, located in Nutsford Boulevard. Smarter, faster, better. We stage. Okay, let me go here. I'm interested. They're also in Bermuda. Um. So you can do consumer loans. Let's help keep you on track with a personal loan. Debt consolidation will help you take control of your finances. Refinance and top-up loan. Payment protection plan. Okay, so they're a loan agency. All right, got it. So they are being taken over by another company. All right. Next up, children up to age 12 to access care at the University Hospital of the West Indies as viral illnesses rise. The story is out of Jamaica. 
The Ministry of Health and Wellness has announced that effective immediately parents of children 12 years and younger can access free medical care at the University Hospital of the West Indies. It said the arrangement is in response to the increase in viral illnesses and resulting overcrowding at the Bustamante Hospital for Children. It also pointed out that the increase in viral illnesses is usually seen this time of year. Children and the elderly are among the most vulnerable group, especially at this time as the flu and gastroenteritis season intensifies, it said in a release. The health ministry reminded Jamaicans to only take paracetamol and to visit the nearest health center if symptoms do not improve. A young woman has gone missing in Portmore. She was last seen at work on Friday afternoon. 24-year-old Janiel Ritchie, otherwise called Jan Jan of Daytona, Greater Portmore, St. Catherine, has been missing since Friday, October 28. She is of dark complexion, slim build, and about 5 feet 3 inches tall and has a small lump on the wrist of her right hand. Reports are that Janiel was last seen at work at about 4 p.m., dressed in a black and white blouse, a brown skirt, and black shoes. She has not been heard from since then. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of Janiel Ritchie is being asked to contact the Portmore Police or call 119 or go to the nearest police station. This is about the third or fourth one that we've been reporting since last week. And it seems to be young women or young girls Um, I hope they find her and that she's able to return to her family safely. I don't like the sound of that at all. Tropical storm conditions pose possible threat to Jamaica within 48 hours. The tropical storm watch issued for Jamaica on Sunday remains in effect as potential tropical cyclone number 15 moves westward over the central Caribbean Sea and offshore the island's south coast. This means that tropical storm conditions pose a possible threat to Jamaica within 48 hours. According to the Met Service, at 4 a.m., the disturbance was centered near latitude 15.8 degrees north and longitude 76.1 degrees west, or about 125 miles south of Morant Point in St. Um, Jamaica. And, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking about the people who live in the river, by the riverbeds and the gully banks in particular, who, based on the article that was highlighted last week um, with Member of Parliament, speaking to the House and saying that they have approached these people to help relocate them, and they say they don't want to move. They say they don't want to move. And um, over the weekend, as I thought about, excuse me, as I thought about the story And all I could think about was the news clip that was viral with Rosie. You know, when Rosie's talking about everything flood out and, you know, they were sleeping. And when, you know, many waters, waters like over Helsha. And how them lose them dresser and every TV and everything and them sofa and them walk back them things. And I say to myself, I wonder... They're refusing to move. You're being given the opportunity. We're helping you move. Your refusal to move, is it because you want 
to be able to make a spectacle of yourself on TV and talk about all that the government needs to give back to you that you lost. I don't get it. I don't get it. Mr. Gordon said it. They have gone to people who are living in unsafe conditions and them said, I'm no I move. So what do we do then? I hope with this tropical storm warning that Jamaica will not be severely impacted. And I do hope that those who live in those unsafe um, spaces will seek refuge elsewhere so that they do not um, suffer any loss of life. Our next, go ahead, go right ahead, Javette. Go right ahead. When you spoke about this story last week, I wanted to ask... Um, so is this area like where you have in the States where unfortunately you have homeless people will kind of um, bed down in specific areas? Is this why people ended up in the area that well, you're speaking on? Well, or were they always there and the conditions just ended up getting worse as time went on? Okay, I don't have much information about the history as to how they ended, well, why they stayed there. But what was highlighted last week was that according to the um, residents, they were told they could live there by the former government because they're all supporters of the um, PNP government. And when PNP was in power, PNP tell them they can go there and live squat on the land pretty much so they went and set up shop there now um i don't know beyond that javette i'll definitely have to do some research um yeah and they've they built houses there of course the houses are not built per code um them just catch the house them as them please and of course you know yeah no engineering in play but they were given permission according to what was highlighted and they took up the residence and now them don't want to move thank you <laughs> thank you moments because i i wanted to question it but i didn't want it to take away from the story right um in my mind it's more so um when you're given the opportunity to live somewhere that you don't have to actually, because I'm assuming they don't have to pay taxes and all of that type Correct. of thing Correct. as well. So that could be one reason. You know, I'm not really sure of their economic status, you know. So even to say we're going to move you to another place in the island will they be able to afford to stay there mm. which is a good point um, good morning can i can yes, i make yes. a comment yes peter sure. sure come right on in good morning um you know um growing up growing up in jamaica especially i'm from i'm from waterhouse and um i've known i was born actually born in waterhouse and nowhere in these communities, anyone actually owned 
that property, their properties. What we find is it moves down from parents to parents to kids and all of that stuff, you know, and people, mother, father died, someone just acquired it. They used to call it back in this capture land. Right. And just build house and they would allow them to build houses and the government will come in some areas and they would actually put up electric poles and all of that, you know? And then after a while, you find that the residents, they can't even afford to pay the light bill. So they would start stealing electricity. Growing up in Jamaica, I used to be a part of that. You didn't, we didn't have a choice. You know, it, it was something that had to be done. You know, they would send cash program down there um, with milk powder and cornmeal and flour and all that stuff to feed us. And, but they knew what was going on. And so that's been happening for years and decades. Even recently, I go to Jamaica, it's still the same condition. People, they just keep building on what they know to be theirs coming from their grandparents. So now what's going on is um, they're telling people now to go ahead and start registering and getting paperwork for their, these properties. Now, there's... There, there's a little issue with that. First of all, you're not going to get certain mail. Depends on where you live. You're not going to get the correspondence. Depends on where you live. Re regardless of how what how what channel the correspondence comes comes through. And they're expecting that everyone should, should just know this. I you can you can agree with the government in a sense where people need to have paperwork for their property because that's the way it should work but how do you how do you get people to go get paperwork for their properties when they can't even find lunch money to give their kids you know things like that you know you want them now to leave go downtown do this go register do all of this stuff but they gave them time to do it however was that approach correct we don't know because how is it that you're going to go claim that property if you have no paperwork in the first place? How is it you're going to go down to the ministry and say, this is where I live. I need to prove that. This is How do you prove that? So a lot of these people aren't going to show up because they have no paperwork. They have no proof. They have nothing. So the time lapse and then the government comes and just tear everything down. You know, to me, I feel that I felt that was the wrong approach. And it should have been a little bit more debated on a platform where everyone could hear it and discuss it in the general public because it affects it affects a lot of families in Jamaica, especially in Kingston and some in the country area where they just have properties on the side of hills and all that. What if the Chinese decide to come and build a new highway? No one has paperwork for those properties. It's just going to tear it down, you know? But I think the approach that the government um, brought into it was totally incorrect. I understand what they're trying to do, and it makes sense to a certain degree. But um, I think the approach was incorrect, and it could have been done on a more public level where people could have discussions on how to mitigate these issues. Because even though they're doing, you see, in that neighborhood, they're doing that, they're going to move from neighborhoods to neighborhood, and that's what's going to happen. You know, and where are these people going to go?
you know, a lot of people right now is living in Riverton City in the dump. You know, when they lose their house, they're going over into the dump to live. They actually live in the dump. You know, so where are these people going to go and what's going to happen? Six, one, half a dozen, the other. This problem is not going to really solve a problem. You know, but it's going to um, pretty much kind of give the government more power as far as um, getting, you know, like, they would, in, in America, they would say eminent domain, you know? So it, it would be like some form of eminent domain. They go, they're going in there to take these properties over. And for someone who actually grew up in one of those houses, I think the approach was totally incorrect. And I think they need to revisit that and have more people involved to see if some, some, if, if, if the general public can even step in and assist some of these folks. You know, so they don't lose their homes and all that. And then the kids are displaced. They're not going to find anywhere to f put these people. Where are they going to put them? You're taking them from one area. Where are you going to put them? You know, so it's it's very disheartening of how the approach was. I understand what they're trying to do. But they're acting like a first world country when they're not. <laughs> you know, they have to bring these things out in the public. They have to these, bring these things in the public spaces so people can be aware. So for the people now who are in these properties, they can hear fully more about it in order to make preparations for what they need to do. But everything was just under the rug, just happening. They made these rules, follow these rules. No one's hearing about it too much until the actual event happened. You come home one day and your house is gone. It doesn't make sense. Okay, Thank you, so Peter. Yeah, thank you, Peter. So what what I would think is this. And thank you for shedding light um, because he who feels it knows it and is better able to explain. Here is what I would suggest that there be communication. There needs to be communication and there needs to be education, right? Because ignorance is bliss when it comes to the law. So what needs to happen then is the member of parliament or the members of parliament for all affected areas need to have an open line of communication allowing the residents to get education. And um, I'll say this. We can't expect that the government is going to do everything. We have to be willing to do some of the work too, right? So they do the educating through open lines of communication. They go into the communities, have conversation with the people, break it down to them so they can understand what's going on, what's in their best interest, and how they're going to help them move forward. Um, as it relates to the them being able to get the paperwork, the drafted paperwork, and so on and so forth. Before you even get to that, they have to have surveyors go in. Land surveyors have to go in there so that they can draw up the property lines and everything. That's the first thing that needs to happen. Once that is done, then they will need to get an account of all those who live in the particular, um, on the particular lots right um make it easier for them <clears throat> excuse me since they're not able to make it to the various government offices make it easy for them take the paperwork 
into them. All right? Take whatever legal, excuse me, bodies you need to take there so that you're meeting them. Okay? And I'm only suggesting this for areas that the land is safe. I'm not going to suggest this for a Riverton dump. I'm not going to suggest this for a gully bank. And I'm not going to suggest this for a riverbed. Now, for the people who live in those three unsafe situations, I would implore the government to put up government housing. If it's an apartment structure, put it up on government land. And I think I, well, I alluded to it last week, but put it up on government land that is safe. Build a structure where people can have um, light and water, proper infrastructure in place. That needs to be done. And when you do that for them and you're able to move them out of these unsafe conditions, I think they need to be formalized, right? Um, if it's a situation where you're going to give them these residences for them to pass on generation to generation, well, give them titles for these, con well, if you want to call them condos or apartments, give them titles for it so they feel as though they own something or if you want to put them on a lease program right where you tell them they can live there and you will subsidize for so many years blah 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 um there are a lot of people unfortunately who will fall into the bracket but we can make a change it's going to be painful it's going to be hard you're going to come upon opposition but as I said earlier, it's about communication and education. Um, some people are not going to want to move because the truth is there are a lot of people in Jamaica who unfortunately them would tell us that they can't find the money to send them to school and they cannot find the money to, to put food on them table, but them find the money to buy files here and them find the money to buy a pair of clocks and them find the money for the things that they think are important for them. And we're not going to stress on that. What we're going to do is try to help them. Um, there are some, the reason, one of the reasons, unfortunately, the light bill keep going up for those who pay is because they're paying the light bill for those who don't want to pay. There are some JPS people will tell them, cannot go into some neighborhoods. They have, they're faced with guns. Them tell them, come out of them neighborhood or where they go. And we need to clean up the country. So it's going to take work on from both sides, both from the communities and both from the government. And I'm done speaking. It's it's going to take it's going to take a lot of work, and I agree with you on on certain levels. However, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan once said, um, "You you don't give you don't give people things for free. It has no value." You know, and you're going to keep, you're going to keep, give, let, at least let them pay something. At least let them do something. At least let them earn it. Because if not, you're going to have, you're going to keep the same mentality, you know. Um, however, I say that to say, um, say for instance, I, I want to go back home to Jamaica and I say, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to be a returning residence. And what I know is Waterhouse or Marvelly or Tivoli or these places. I'm going back to a house. I'm sending money down there to keep building that house that I, that I know. And I'm going to go back down there and, and live. So how do you 
how do you get it? How do you, how do you really get these so-called homeowners? Because what it really is, they're squatters. If you really think about it, but not really. Because they were born coming up. Squatters is for a period of time over a certain, you know. But if you really think about it, no one owned the, owns these properties. You can't just move them from one area to the next. You're still putting them on properties. And you can't just give them something. Because at that point, it's free. And once you give that to them, you're going to have to keep it up. You know, so there's a lot of little caveats there's a lot of things going on moving parts so i agree with you the first line to mitigate some of these issues are education it's education and um and without that you're always going to find this chaos yeah yeah um if not for free and i tell you something this free mentality is stemming unfortunately from the pnp government decades back Decades back from your pitney. And and hence you and I'm not saying it's a large number, but you have some people in Jamaica who we making us say them now nah, what not come to them about now work, what am I work for? They would rather steal, kill, they would rather scam. They would rather pick up the phone and call everybody where they are foreign who are fair bust them ass with one, two, three, some people, four jobs. They're not going to work. Just so much just so them stay. But and if you send less than a certain amount or you send something while in a brand name, they may go turn around cause you. We have that group of people there. Don't know what we're going to do about them. They're everywhere in the world, actually. Every country has them, right? But um, subsidized housing, subsidized housing, they need to be able to pay electricity and learn to manage electricity. Just like people who have to pay them light bill every month, <laughs> there are some people who them tell them light bill is a hundred thousand and them don't know what other light for turn off in them house. JPS um, keep, well, you have power cuts more than the power is on. But the light bill cannot get under $100,000. They don't know what else to do. And here's the thing is, we're paying for their light bill usage. So they need to be regularized. And if, I don't know, go right ahead, Peter. Go ahead. So when you, when it's, 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 it's very, it's, as we know, it, this is just a total, a very touchy, very touchy situation because because um how these people are going to pay light bill how are you going to start telling them to pay light bill subsidize light bill start there let us start yeah there, I mean, you, or if you set yeah, up you the government things set up um solar system do something so you try to minimize the cost for them as much as you can but them have to learn if they don't learn yeah. and we keep giving in then when will they learn they, they have to learn at some point. But let me give you an example. Like, for instance, the scammers in Jamaica. When you look at these scammers, and I'm not backing scammers because I don't like it. For me, totally, I, I just hate the idea. But however, when you look at these scammers, did you know that these scammers 
so far has brought in over a billion US dollars in Jamaica. Now think about this. For these scammers to carry out these type of just these these derogatory acts or whatever, they have to be very good at customer service. They have to have creative minds. They have to be very good at social engineering. These guys, if you really think about it, these guys know exactly what they're doing. And these guys can actually fit into a sector if the government just take that talent and turn it around. But you can't just say, we're going to hire you and, and start giving them $100,000. These guys are worth a billion dollars. So they're not going to accept none of that from the government. You know, the light bill situation, um, you can't go down there and hand somebody a light bill. You can't go down, you can't send a survey out to, to, to these properties without soldier and police. And when they go down there, they're going to face with backlash and gunfire. <laughs> you know, so you've done this, they've done this for so long. You can't just make up rules and, and get it done in a year or two. It's going to take decades. Right. Yeah, And they're going to have to figure out this habit has been because the house that I, I my grandfather owned in Waterhouse is a few years I went down there and the people that live in there, I said, yo, I'm just take it because I'm not coming back to live there. I gave it to them and now they said, this is my house. Did you transfer, so, did you transfer title ownership to them or you just verbally said, take it? <laughs> just verbally say it because we have never had paper for that house. And no one has sought to get paper to get the legal title for that house? No one is going to take the time and go down there to do it because they have the chance of losing their house. Because they may go down there and hear, and hear some bad news. They say, but you know, I know you own the house from 1959. You know. You're going to have to leave. They're not going down there to face these type of conversations. But here's the thing now, Peter. Somebody else, maybe on the back end, who took the mm -hmm. time to do, the le to do their um, due diligence and do the research and say, okay, nobody has been paying taxes on this for so many years. I'm going to start paying taxes and I'm going to pay the taxes for so many years. So now, at some point, they're going to get kicked off. Might not happen this decade, but probably next decade, the person who has been paying the taxes silently behind the scenes and took the time to you know, get the paperwork in order can come and say, well, I now own this. Because I've been paying the taxes, you're now squatting on my land. <laughs> you know, you know how you know how that sounds though. It's like you think if I pay the tax for for a house down in, in Marvelly or a house down in Tivoli or Trenchtown and I got it to claim that house, I'm going to get it. That will never happen. Well, if you're going to give it to Peter, give them paperwork for going it. And this is why what you said is very important. The, the, the start of everything begins with education. Yeah. You have to start educating them. Not try, don't scare them away. Say, we're going to give them real estate education or tax education or something and start weaning them into this little thing. Yeah. And then eventually, over time. But when you go and say, you need to sign this up or we're going to take away your house, you, you don't approach people like that. No, 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 definitely not. You can't. And that's what's been going on, you know? Yeah. You need, we need to regularize. So you need to come in and sign up. We need to know who owns this property. It scares them. But why does that scare them? But you, you know what is what, what I find amusing, and it's really not mm -hmm. something to laugh about, is that the very people 
will go overseas and not even try that for a second. So what is the mentality with Jamaicans in Jamaica? One, when we're in Jamaica, even, even when driving on the road, they don't, them take the soft shoulder and turn it in one another lane. There is a lack of discipline. And when you try to enforce discipline and structure, them don't want it. So what is wrong with us? But yet the, the minute them reach an airport and jump on a plane, because somebody fell for them and them going to take a permanent residence in another country, all of a sudden them is the most law-abiding citizen. How so? What is the difference? Because Jamaica broke them bad. So now you can't come here to this country and behave like that because it's serious consequences. Well... You know, a lot of a lot of people leave Jamaica and come. You ever notice the mentality of a lot of Jamaicans? Them come in America and or wherever they go, and because they feel that they're, they're Jamaicans, they have they feel like they're a bad man. You know, them just behave a certain way. Yo, me have a gun for me and this and that. You know, they come with the same thing, and then guess what? They end up in jail, and then they feel what it feels like to understand that this is not the way it works. That's why a lot of people end up in jail. They come here and next thing you know, they, they get deported a year after. Because they come with that same mentality because we break them we break them bad in Jamaica. You know, and for us to fix it, it takes a village. It the government is not going to just do it. It takes private citizens to step in with organizations and come up with these ideas and push it to the government and say we can step in and help because if we rely on the government nothing is going to get done that's my experience with the government right and as you're talking about um, that not to go off too much on a tangent but i was watching a clip um with a young lady in jamaica speaking and she highlighted something of relevance because she was talking about the, the crime in Jamaica and everybody just wanting to take vengeance and a lot of the crimes, the murders being reprisals, right? Um, and she said, one issue, one thing that is missing is that we lack conflict resolution skills. And I was like, you know, she's absolutely right. Because we tend to go from zero to 100 real quick. We don't listen. We only hear. We don't listen. We don't reason. Our comprehension skills are lacking. And as such, we're a very ignorant set of people. And we kill somebody over the slightest and the most foolish thing. And she gave an example. And in the example that she gave, she said, um, man and a woman in a relationship. The woman goes to this man who sells bush crab. The man shot her, the bush crab, right? She said, for example, she was to get 10 pounds and she only get 8 pounds. So 2 pounds shot. Him said to her, say, when me go back a bush, me we bring the extra crab for you. Now worry yourself. She felt disrespected. I don't know why you would feel disrespected. This goes to <laughs> ignorance. But she felt disrespected. She goes home and tells her um, partner that the, the crab man disrespect her, shot her. Him now, in his ignorance, 
go and confront the crab man. And what him do? He kill the crab man. Because the crab man disrespecting woman. We are an ignorant set. And that's a problem. And if you remember last week, we, I highlighted the story about Jamaica being left off of the green card lottery. And them say is because we tapped out. Not no go so. You see all these killings, these senseless killings that are going on there? It is crippling the country. It is going to cripple the economy if we're not careful. It is going to cripple opportunities for those who are desirous of leaving to be able to go overseas, get a job, further their education, to be able to turn around and help people back home. We're too ignorant. We don't know how to act appropriately. Everything, a man disrespect your woman. And we don't even know. <laughs> what is disrespect? You're shot. The man said, I'm going to bring it to you. Evidently, you're a regular. You go home, go complain to your ignoramus man where you have a your yard who now have no sense. And then him turn around and go kill the man over two pound of crap. Make that make sense to me. Now that man's family is without a breadwinner. Them said them now give out no more lottery green card to Jamaicans. We have exhausted it. We're not exhausted. We have exhausted our opportunities because of our bad behavior. And we won't get ourselves some self-control. Everything everybody want be the baddest one. Oh, yes, I come from and I. Yes, I come from and I. You know what, oh, me? That's our mentality. Everybody better than the other one. School children stabbing each other. Ignorance. No conflict resolution skills. And she's absolutely right. People desirous of leaving the country to come and do better can't leave because of the bad apples. And the saying is true. One bad apple spoils the lot. Uh, how, how do you explain that we have more churches than anywhere else in our crime rate is so high? Nobody going to the churches. And I'm going to tell you why <laughs> nobody's going to the churches. I'm going to tell you why. Because unfortunately, um, Peter, the churches are not preaching grace, love, and compassion. You know what the churches are preaching? Church building fund. Tithe. No make nobody go up under your frack. The churches are preaching that. The churches are not preaching the Bible. And then there, the churches, and I shouldn't say the church, I should say the people in the church, stand up there and be judge and jury on everybody's life. And I read people out of church. And not remember that everybody is a sinner. No matter how much you're a Christian, you're still a sinner. No matter how you're saved, you're still a sinner and you have to ask God for forgiveness every day, all day. We sin in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Right? But no. And it is unfortunately the charismatic churches that preach and browbeat that sort of thing. Where? Miss, and them going to church. Oh, you know, Mrs. Sister Campbell around there. So I do so, 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 so. That's not what you do. 
That's not what you do. And they make you feel as though there's no hope for you. There's absolutely none because you're backslider. Who te- then all of you are backslider then. Everybody is a backslider then. But they don't preach love. They don't preach the principles of Jesus in the Bible. They don't. And that is why the church pews are empty. I had this conversation with my husband just over this weekend. There was a time when parents now got church, picnic get up and said, no, me, I got church. Because church was a fun place to be. But that's not the case. It's a place of condemnation. It's a place where they, they subject you to hell. Them tell us, yeah, I got hell. They don't preach about love, unfortunately, Peter. Morning, moment. Go ahead, James. Good morning. Good morning. Can I, I, can I disagree with one thing? Sure. <laughs> Go right ahead. You said the church is empty in Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. I've been to churches all over the world. Jamaica have the fullest churches I've ever been in. You know what? You know what's the problem with Jamaican church? It's full, but full of hypocrites. Well, that's worldwide, James. Every church no, is no, full but, of hypocrites. No, but Jamaica, Jamaica in general, like Jamaica, like for example, do you think a lot of these scammers, right? They have mothers and fathers in church that are deacon and um, elders and stuff like, like that who know that their kids are scamming. Like when, when I'm going to church in Jamaica, like I see... In my community, I see drug dealers that put in drugs in their body, taken to Canada, U.S., and England. And they build, like, big house in the community. And the mother and father that's going to church every weekend, enjoying the luxury, showing off about them, them nice new kitchen and them air condition and stuff like that. And they have a son who never passed high school. And you go to church every weekend and you sit down and you give God praise for, 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 the, for the goodness when we bless you with. James, with you don't son. know the Bible verse that said the riches of the wicked shall be stored up for the righteous. You don't know that one. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm showing you. Like a lot of, a lot, lot of hypocrites. Because like, okay, but when we're growing up, like if you bring a dollar come home, it's been questioned. And when we look around um, other people in, the, in, in our community who um, end up in the mines, end up in the grave and stuff like that, the difference with how our parents grow us up is that if you bring a dollar where them things say you're not supposed to have, where you get that dollar there from? The people who end up in prison and dead, the parents don't ask them anything. So that's one of the biggest problems. A lot of people, because, yeah, a lot of people in church in Jamaica, like people going, they they, they they converted like after their you know you know you live up your life you have the kids you do whatever you smoke you drink you party and people go converted so i don't believe it's much about judging people i just think that people are not really they go to church but they're pretty much like the same the same people as out in the world doing doing messed up stuff the same scammer because even church is scamming too so <laughs> i was about to say to you because james yeah. well, that but i'm gonna say this that argument is not gonna hold up because global do you know that the catholic church was built by drugs for the most part a lot of drug dealers go to the catholic church you think they're all holy 
No. Any church you go in, there is corruption. Everything that is outside of the that's outside is inside. Don't don't be fooled. Everything. So if we were to look at it and say, um, and I agree with you that parents need to question their children. I agree with you. But a lot of churches were built with corrupt money. Don't think it's Jamaica alone. It's the world. No, um, no I know, but but our corruption look different though. Our corruption well. look different. That's the thing. Because <laughs> like I know I know when you look when you look at um a lot of people that are in the, the mafia and stuff like that, a lot of them, you know, wear their, their cross around their neck and and, and stuff like that. But they, they have different they have different um values that they live by. Values. Oh, mafia? Values? Yeah, values? Hold on. Yeah? How do you put values and mafia in the same sentence? When no, we have because... a... Hold on a second. Hold on. When there's a story coming up out of Mexico, right? In Mexico, where a dog was walking down the street with a, someone's head. You know where the dog found the person's head? In an ATM um, machine. Th that little thing. And when they went there, they found a person limbed up. And you're going to say mafia and morals in the same sentence? You can't do well, maybe that. No, and maybe say there's different levels of corruption. Corruption is corruption. <laughs> exactly. No I, no, I know that. But what I'm saying, for example, okay, let me give you an example. Like, like when I was growing up, back in the 80s, like all of the, the, the dons and the, the gangsters or whatever, these guys are murderers, they're killers, they're all of them stuff. They had certain rules that you cannot touch a woman or a child. If you do that, you're dead. That's not what's happening in Jamaica now. But that's you global too, James. It's global too. In the Middle East, that used to, women and children used to be off limits. Now everybody's uh, nobody's um, <laughs> off limits anymore. You keep saying Jamaica. It's not just Jamaica, and it's not worse in Jamaica than anywhere else in the world. It's no, everywhere. No, no, the reason why I said Jamaica because we're talking about Jamaica. I am Jamaican. I, I I've never been I've never been to um um Iraq or Iran. Um I care about them as human beings, but I'm Jamaican, so I identify more with what's going on in Jamaica. So when you hear that a, a, a young girl is missing in Jamaica, mm -hmm. it hits a bit it hits a bit, a bit different because you're Jamaican. Right. And and it, it could be one of your flesh and blood. Not that if someone is missing in another country, you don't feel it for the, the, the family. But right. we're talking about it as Jamaicans. So I'm not saying that it's only happening in Jamaica. But all I'm saying is that the fact that Jamaica is, has been the only country in the top 10 murder rate for the past 30 years is something is wrong. A lot of countries go on and off, like Colombia on and off, Mexico on and off, like all these countries jamaica is the only country in the world that is consistently in the top 10 for the past 30 years for for and and as um what's his name brought up for for an island that said that they have the most church per square mile than any place in the world that's confusing like <laughs> atheist country like people that don't believe in god in china and those places they're not having the same problem so that's that's what's confusing to me a lot of time and I think it goes back, James. And thank you so much, James. I think it goes back to what is being taught in the churches. I think that's what it goes back to. You know, 
but anyway i think um someone else is i thought you were trying to say something good morning hey good night everyone good morning. right now as far as i'm concerned the first thing i just want to make money uh politician and fine feeling way for make money and i'm on find a way for make money too all right man i'm good at being a politician but no one can make some money by being a pastor open up a church and be a pastor you know what i mean but i show up one tent somewhere until ask some people for some offering until i can build a nice big church concrete and everything you know what i mean uh, and fix up my place or buy a new place and you know what i mean so that's that me even run the joke sometimes i say oh come here want make some quick money come at the best way for you to become a pastor you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah. Please don't do it, Afro. Don't do it. No. <laughs> Please don't do you know, it. So that's all it is. You know, your place is not Africa right now, man. And, and, and these politicians and the, the church, them go on in on. You know what I mean? They want to avoid paying taxes, all them something they are. You want to get indoors, especially when you see say, oh, the church are big and have it numbers due to the mortal lie and, and all them something they All right, so we need a, the, the pastor, yeah. Um, support you know cause yeah, I, I want a big mega church you know so but no if we get that the pastor yeah, and them church people them and me put in a word for him church people them and me get some more votes so politicians and pastors are work on in on you know what I mean <laughs> get money and forget votes and that's all it is you know and that's all it is it's just a, a way for making money as I said, certain things not to preach again. I might find a local one church and they, some local bush, you know what I mean? I, I, I still I stick to them, local, you know, uh, Bible thing and I try to do things the right way and not try to be a sellout, is me? But you have somewhere, hey, look, a money we are dealing with, a money the thing that, yo, I can't have, I have about tax and all them something there. And the bigger I'm gonna get, yeah, the better it go with for me and all them something there. So that, that's all it is. You know, man the Africa, you know, a Congo, a Congo? I think I think a, a Congo? I think a Congo. Yeah, and they must show some mega church over there. I'm gonna mix um lemon juice with gasoline and tell people say out you make them better. You know, and that one have some big support from farmer um pres presidents and other politicians and all them something there. And these people are over there are, are drink this lemonade juice, you know what I mean, with gasoline. <laughs> for scar the pastor tell them say yo them are get better, you know what I mean? Uh, and the the more church, yo, the more people, the man having them church, all them big mega church and the man having them you know, say? And all of these people over there are drink um what you call it? Lemon juice mixed with gasoline. Because the pastor tell them say them are gonna get better, you know? <laughs> and the politicians them did it. I give him support. He might give them them support for make sure I say yo, no vote for that brother. Yeah, you know, forget back in the power or whatever it is, you know. You know, so it it is a business thing, you know. Corruption so, is just, everywhere. Yeah, oh. everywhere, everywhere. I just everywhere. recently them started to show some stuff in Africa right now where people are burn um um are burn images of this uh, Jesus thing and. Uh, denounced churches and said so I'm gonna go back to them spirituality. They were being lied to. You know what go on, uh, you know. And, but they must say yo, they are being lied to, and enough is enough and all them something. But you have someone say, hey, someone make my food, so this me I stick to. You know what I mean? Uh, and as we say, everywhere, over here, so uh, the same thing. Man, I tell you, say, oh, God tell him say me need a new private jet, and another model private jet that him want. You know. <laughs> 
All so, right. Yeah, you know, everywhere, All every right. single way. All right, thank you, everyone. I got to keep it moving. The next story. Lewis Vale residents willing to regularize. Golding says eviction notice must be an error. And I'm going to try to play the sound clip here. Fridays ago, I believe it was, I visited a community of Pleasant Hill, Providence, near Luidas Vale in St. Catherine, where some 65 residents have been served with eviction notices by or on behalf of the Commissioner of Lands. And having gone there and heard from them and done some further checks from the leading enterprise in that community, it is clear to me that this must have been an error and that they have every right to be there and to continue to live there and they wish to regularize their tenure on the land by completing payment for the property. Opposition leader Mark Golding believes attempts to evict some 65 residents from Lewidas Vale in St. Catherine must be an error. Mr. Golding says, based on his visit to the area, the residents are willing to, and able to regularize. The residents have been occupying the property for decades, but were recently served with eviction notices by the Commissioner of Lands. They have been given until December 6 to relocate. Mr. Golding says he is calling on the Prime Minister to intervene and do the right thing. To the Prime Minister on this last Monday and sought his intervention, brought to his attention the facts as I understand them to be, and I'm looking to him to do the right thing to protect the worthy, decent residents of Pleasant Hill who have been traumatized by having been served these eviction notices when they believed that the next steps were to complete the formalization of their long-standing tenure on that land. And I hope they're able to get to the bottom of it so that we can... Um not have a repeat of what took place in bernard lodge right um but here we have a situation where people have the money and want to regularize because they realize that this means then that these people have either been provided with educational material or have sought the education and realize that it's better to be a legal property owner than a squatter or Sidong Pan capture land. So I just hope that I know they have given them until December 6th to relocate. I sincerely hope that something can be done. There can be some agreement made between now. If this property is somehow privately owned, government hands kind of tied right they saw them have to go find something out if the people them no want to sell them land you can't force them to sell them land right so but let's just hope that this will work out for the in for the best for all parties involved all right uh gonna take a quick break when we return we have store oops i'm so sorry about that one we're gonna have stories <laughs> um okay i don't know what i did Seem not good to multitask, right? That's <laughs> not all the time. But uh, yeah, when we return, we're going to have details of stories out of North America. Good morning. <laughs> Once again, says Mind. Oh, my mind. They always 
only bringing good vibes Oh, feeling myself You could see it in my smile And I sing it Oh, don't worry about me when I in a zone Free up yourself cause you already know to all the listeners logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com for quality music while you work or play log on to www.qmzradio.com for good music to get you through your day thank you to everyone logged on to janoradio.com Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. This is where I read the news and we share our views. It is Movement Monday. And we're doing it in soca style. Coming up later on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, live on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and on Clubhouse, it is Days After Dark, real relationship talk. It is time for us to get into the details. Let's start off with international news first. Suspension bridge collapse kills at least 133 people in India. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. Military teams were searching this morning for people missing after a century-old cable suspension bridge collapsed into a river on Sunday in the western Indian state of Gujarat, sending hundreds plunging into the water and killing at least 133 in one of the country's worst accidents in years. As families mourned the dead, attention was turning to why the bridge built by the British in the late 1800s and touted as an engineering marvel collapsed and who might be responsible. The local government had awarded a 15-year contract to maintain and manage the bridge to a Morby-based company, Ajanta Manufacturing, mainly known for making clocks, mosquito rackets, and electric bikes. It reopened the bridge, which spans a wide section of the Machu River on October 26. That's the first day of the Gujarati New Year, which coincides with the Hindu festival season, and the newly reopened attraction drew hundreds of sightseers. Sandeep Singh, Zala, Morbi City official, told the Indian Express newspaper the company had reopened the bridge without first obtaining a fitness certificate. That claim could not be independently verified, but the state government said it had formed a special team to investigate the disaster. Authorities said the structure collapsed under the weight of hundreds of people. Security footage of the disaster showed the bridge shaking violently and people trying to hold onto its cables and green-colored metal fencing before the aluminum walkway gave way and crashed into the river. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I do have a question. The local government awarded a 15-year contract to maintain and manage the bridge 
This contract was awarded to a Morbi-based company, and Ajanta Manufacturing, mainly known for making clocks, mosquito rackets, and electric bikes. How do the two go together? If that's what they're known for, how does bridge maintenance come into play here? That don't make any sense to me. That sounds to me as though you give your friend a contract. Oh, Sonette is my friend. You know, Sonette don't have no experience with engineering as it relates to bridges, but I'm going to give her the contract because that's my friend. So what does Sonette do? Oh, Sonette is great with human resources. You know, yeah, that's what she's good at. And, you know, so... You don't question it before you issue the contract? Nobody questioned this? You go from making clocks, mosquito rackets, and electric bikes to maintaining and managing a bridge, the engineering aspect of it. Corruption, we just thought about that though. <laughs> And now 133 people are dead so far. And I'm sure that the death toll is going to increase as they continue to search for more people. 177 survivors were pulled. And of course, the Army, Navy and Air Force are still looking for others. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. So let, let me ask you is the people who gave him that contract, Ed, are they just as guilty as the people? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, definitely. All parties involved, right? Because that was lack, lacking in every way. They had no business getting that contract. None whatsoever. And I know um, people will say, for example, the other day listening to a radio program, and um, they said, you know, none of them there has the experience or the formal training to be on that, to have a syndicated program. Not one of them. But by the grace of God, they all have it. Sometimes you get things that you may not be qualified for, but that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. But this is not the case here. Because when it comes to bridges and buildings, and certain infrastructure, you have to have an engineering background, um, training, and years of expertise. So if you ask me, I don't think this bridge was being maintained at all. Not at all. I think sometimes, sometimes what we'll probably have to do before we cast a judgment, we really have to research the company because sometimes you find companies, they, they have like, a, um, for me, for instance, I have a couple um, companies, but I have DBAs that are doing other work elsewhere. But when they talk about the company, they talk about the, the mother company who is known for making mosquito, whatever, whatever, but maybe they have other DBAs and instead, you know, of using that DBA, they may say, um, this is a company that did it. So maybe we need to do some research because if what I'm hearing is true, it just sounds ridiculous. So I went on Google. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ajanta Manufacturing PVT Limited. Same company. 
This information, courtesy of Bloomberg. Ajanta Manufacturing manufactures household products. The company offers LED bulbs, street and floodlights, and other lighting products, as well as watches and toothpaste. Ajanta Manufacturing serves customers worldwide. Their website, I'm not able to access directly. I don't know <laughs> what's going on with them. But yeah. So, we can do a little more digging. But so far, that seems to be their scope. That seems to be, um, or those things seem to be their scope. Hold on. Let's see. Dig a little further. I'm trying. I'm trying here. I'm trying here. Okay. Here's another one. Courtesy of India Mart. Ajanta Manufacturing. Started manufacturing wall clocks in Ajanta and accomplished several milestones and also became the world's largest clock manufacturing company and later diversified into areas into various verticals, sorry, such as lighting products, e-bike, battery-operated bike, home appliances, electrical accessories, and electronic products like telephones, calculators, and LED TV. No mention made of um, construction or engineering. Yeah. Wow. This is high-level corruption. They, I think the jury has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Google. <laughs> so, <laughs> no mention made of a division that has gone into construction and engineering, uh, civil engineering. Um, none of that. Yeah. This to me, <laughs> uh, Peter, Afo, this sounds like... Um, High-level corruption. I'm sorry. Plain and simple. Yeah. I was hoping, Peter, that I would find something that says they also have a subsidiary company that specializes in. But, no. You may have to put that question in Google. Ah, true. True, true, true. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something else have to give because... Building an, a, a bridge, a bridge where, where people cross every day, millions of, but the bridge was built. The, build, the bridge was built in the 1800s by the British. Mm -hmm. And then they, this company got a 15-year contract to maintain this bridge. But what does the maintenance include, though, you know? When they say maintenance, what, how do they define maintenance? And is it only one company maintaining the bridge? You know what? We don't have that information yet, so we're going to have to wait for more. And let us hope, Peter, that they will come <laughs> forward and say they subcontracted to another company that specializes in that. But so far, we're not seeing that. Unfortunately, we're not seeing that so far. I'm hoping that we can see that. According to the Hindu.com, Wall Clock, E-Bike, Maker, Oriva Group at Center of Morbid Bridge Collapse. So the other things are being highlighted, but nothing is being, nothing is, um, yeah. No mention is made of a subcontract. No mention is made of another company or them having a group within the company 
that specializes in that. So, so uh, uh, uh. see, in its profile on its website, and this is according to the Hindu.com, a, a newspaper out of um, India, the Oriva Group claims that it employs over 6,000 people but has no mention of construction business. Mm. Yep. So we're trying to find it. We're trying to find it for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not their people. So let us see what come what else comes out. And I'm sure we're gonna hear more about it as the days unfold, right? Yeah. So all parties are involved. All parties involved rather are guilty, if you ask me, for all the lives that have been lost. Negligence. Share negligence. Collect what this sounds like to me is you're collecting the money but not doing anything. That's what it is. Now, what does it mean to you ask the question maintain and manage a bridge, right? So let's jump over to Google and see what that says. Um, they probably just maintain the lights on the bridge. <laughs> Oh, you're right, Javet. The electrical company, that's right. Good morning. <laughs> morning, Sunday. You know what? You're so right. Oh, they were maintaining the lights on the bridge. Ridiculous. Okay. So Ridiculous. <laughs> I pulled up on Google. How do you maintain a bridge? So here's this little answer from Ju July 7, 2017. Washing and cleaning. Sealing deck joints clearing drainage areas, sealing cracks, painting exposed elements, removing trash and other debris, protecting against scour, lubricating bearings. Um, what is bridge management? Bridge management is a core bridge discipline that focuses on making informed and effective decisions on the operation, maintenance, preservation, replacement, and improvement of bridges. What is the purpose of routine maintenance? Regular routine maintenance can reduce the need for reactive maintenance. Routine maintenance helps us helps assets and equipment working in optimal, well, helps to keep, they should say, assets and equipment working in optimal conditions, leading to fewer failures, better productivity, higher profitability, and improved safety. <sighs> well, there you go. Tito? Your wishful thinking. Nah. Okay, let me see here some. Mm. Okay. Does this one say anything, Javet? I'm trying to. It just basically talks about who they starting to arrest over the ah. bridge collapsing. Okay, so they've started to make arrests. Good. Good. Okay, I jumped down to it. Thank you so much for sending this article over, uh, Javed. So just to give everyone an idea, uh, police arrest nine over Indian Bridge collapse as the toll reaches 134. Many children were killed. Um, let me scroll down here. A senior police official said nine people had been arrested, including managerial staff, ticketing clerks, and three security guards for failing to regulate crowds before the bridge crumbled. That's not... That, 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 uh, 
What about the company? I thought they were gonna say they went into the. You, you see how you see how they. <laughs> the, what is what is it? They passing the buck. Deflecting. That's the thing. They passing the buck. <laughs> Are you serious right now, Javan? This no. They're really arresting the people who have nothing to do with the maintenance nor the engineering of it. You know what? Jackass said the world no level. How on no said Jackass said the world no level? Who came up with that saying? Come as a child, I would hear that. Jackass said the world no level. And puss and dog now have the same luck. We Jamaicans, we have some of those sayings, I guess. Okay, my mom used to say the puss and dog all the time too, so it's a Caribbean thing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh, so unfortunate. Um, hopefully the death toll does not go any higher. Hopefully, but I need them to start at the top. Why is it that people are always starting at the bottom? It has it's to. always like that. It's going to be like that until the families of the dead start suing the company maintaining. Almost every case I've seen it that they always go for the people who are right there on the ground. And then later on, they do civil suits to then get those people to handle unless the state will do something. But that's how I always see things like that happen, unfortunately. And, and you know, that's not fair to them. It isn't fair to them. They're simply carrying out instructions. That's all. And you, you know what? Jackass said the world no level at all and it's so true. So, so true. I hope the families sue Sonnet and do so quickly. I really hope so. Our next story on the international scene, South Korea probes Halloween crowd surge as nation mourns. This story courtesy of the Associated Press. South Korean police are investigating what caused the crowd surge that killed more than 150 people, including 26 foreigners, during Halloween festivities in Seoul last weekend in the country's worst disaster in years. As President Yoon Suk Yeol and tens of thousands of others paid respects to the dead at special mourning sites. Saturday's disaster was concentrated in a sloped, narrow alley in Seoul's, uh, I can't pronounce it, neighborhood, a neighborhood in Seoul, folks, a popular nightlife district. And for those who want to know, let me spell it. Let me not be um, bad. I-T-A-E-W-O-N. That's if you're, anyone is familiar with that neighborhood. A popular nightlife district with witnesses and survivors recalling a hell-like chaos with people falling on each other like dominoes. They said the entire area was jammed with slow-moving vehicles and partygoers clad in Halloween costumes, making it impossible for rescuers and ambulances to reach the crammed alleys in time. Police said they have launched a 475-member task force to investigate the crush. Officers have obtained videos taken by about 50 security cameras in the area and are also analyzing video clips posted on social media. They have interviewed more than 40 witnesses and survivors so far. Senior Police Officer Nam Gu Jun told reporters this morning. So, so sad. So sad. You're out to have a good time. And that's what happens. I'm not a big Halloween celebrating person. Um, 
No. Uh, no. Um, for the sake of the children, we'll take them to a neighborhood to walk around and do candy. But this um, Halloween, not me, sorry. <sighs> not at all, not at all, not at all. All right. Stories out of North America. Two men charged with killing a Milwaukee woman and setting her body on fire. This story courtesy of Baller Alert. Two men are facing multiple charges in connection to the murder of a 20-year-old Milwaukee woman whose remains were set on fire. According to the criminal complaint, Kanye Bronson spent the morning with a married man she had been seeing. Police believe that Sultan Sharif tied her up and shot her at some point. Sharif met up with his brother-in-law, Johnny Hopgood, later that day and helped dispose of Brunson's remains. The victim's body was set on fire and was discovered by someone on September 24 near Keefe Avenue and Palmer Street. Brunson's mother told CBS 58 that Sharif had reached out to her a week before her daughter was killed. He goes on to say that I want to be done messing with your daughter, but she's reaching out to my wife according to Jennifer Meadows. Sharif is facing charges of first-degree intentional homicide and mutilating a corpse for killing Brunson. He is being held on a $500,000 bond. Hopgood has also been charged in connection with Brunson's murder. He is facing charges of mutilating a corpse and harboring or aiding a felon. He's being held on a $50,000 bond. Listen. Married men. Let me, let me speak to you, married men, for a second. If you are in love with your wife, if you want to spend the rest of your life with your wife, if your wife is the one that you want to be with, and I'm not talking about business marriages or, you know, marriage of do because of certain things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those marriages where people court people and oh my gosh i want to spend the rest of my life with you and there's nobody else in the world but you and blase 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 right think carefully before you go pick up a woman on the side right think very carefully before you do that okay it is not for everybody jealousy is a hell of a thing. Not all wives are going to appreciate you having a side chick. Not all side chicks are going to appreciate that you are now shelving them. Right? They have a saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And it is true. No, I don't know what you was doing with this side chick if you were her main source of income or what have you. But you say she did a, she she you you told her you were done messing. Well, you told her mom you were done messing with the um the young lady, but she kept reaching out to your wife. Can we get more information, please? There is more to the story. Some, uh, there's a lot missing if you ask me. But, okay. She's going to reach out to your wife. Do you have to kill her? Is killing her going to solve the problem? Because no, you neither have side chick nor wife. Whatever it is that you were protecting, you have now lost. 
woman you see the side chick thing hmm. no one are getting herself into you hear know what you're getting yourself into it's not for everybody it really isn't be very careful don't get your emotions all tied up if you know that this person will never leave their wife you know that you're only there for them as a means to an end don't, don't do that and if you can avoid it avoid it i must say that if you can avoid it avoid it all right because the outcome ain't cute but self-control is a hell of a thing now i don't know if the wife tell him forget radar i don't know kind of remind me of the case in jamaica donna lee they still haven't found her body or her remains yet right kind of remind me of that case mother telling her daughter to leave this man alone because him there with this other woman problem come up but you don't have to be in the room to kind of get an idea what go on baby mother now left the man she now left the man baby mother said man the girl have to go and all these things don't get yourself in all of that don't do it all right it's not for everybody some people are okay with it there are some wives who are quite okay with their husbands having a side chick no problem there right but they, they like the idea that there's someone to help them out so some people are comfortable with that and there are some side chicks who are quite comfortable being side chicks but have an honest conversation with yourself now see one dead two in jail one lonely nancy pelosi says she's heartbroken and traumatized by vicious attack on her husband but says he's improving nancy pelosi has broken her silence following the vicious and devastating attack on her husband an intruder broke into the couple's san francisco townhouse early friday morning and assaulted her 82 year old husband paul with a hammer he suffered a shattered skull the house speaker wrote in a statement a violent man broke into our family home demanded to confront me and brutally attacked my husband paul our children our grandchildren and i are heartbroken and traumatized by the life-threatening attack on our pop we're grateful for the quick response of law enforcement and emergency services and for the life-saving medical care he is receiving Nancy thanked her fellow members of Congress for their prayers and warm wishes that have helped Paul progress in his recovery as his condition improves. She ended her statement with a scripture from the book of Isaiah. On the day of the attack, the suspect, David DePap or DePapi, forced his way inside through the back door, brandishing the hammer and was there to attack Nancy, who was away in D.C. at the time, TMZ reported. Paul was able to call 911 and left the line open so the operator could hear. Police responded and were able to disarm the suspect. The culprit was booked into the San Francisco County Jail for burglary, attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, and several other felonies. And then, on the high heels of that, Elon Musk tweets conspiracy theory about Pelosi attack. This story courtesy of AlJazeera.com. Elon Musk, Twitter's new owner, tweeted an article containing a conspiracy theory about the attack on the United States House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband Paul 
before deleting the post hours later. Musk's tweet on Sunday linked to an article making unsubstantiated claims about Paul Pelosi's personal life and the role it may have played in last week's attack at the home he shares with his wife in San Francisco. Musk tweeted the article by the Santa Monica Observer, a website with a history of publishing misinformation. After Hillary Clinton posted an LA Times article about the suspected attacker David and criticized Republicans for spreading hate and deranged conspiracy theories. In response to Clinton's tweet, Musk posted the article while adding there was a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. U.S. media outlets have linked DePap, who is accused of attacking Paul Pelosi with a hammer, to blog posts espousing far-right and extreme views online, including the QAnon conspiracy theory. Musk, who has described himself as a free speech absolutist, appeared to have deleted his tweet several hours after posting it without explanation. The Tesla CEO's controversial tweet comes as his $44 billion purchase of the social media platform is at the center of a heated debate about the limits of free speech in the digital age. Musk, the world's richest man, has criticized Twitter's moderation policies and accused the social media giant of having a left-wing bias. The billionaire has stressed the need for a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated while insisting he does not favor a free-for-all hellscape. Critics have expressed fears that Musk's ownership of the platform could result in a surge in hate speech and misinformation, while conservatives have heralded the takeover as a corrective to big tech sponsorship. And it's weird because, um, what's his name? Oh, LeBron. LeBron is addressing an uptick in hate speech on Twitter and is urging Elon Musk to take, it ser- to take it seriously. LeBron James was rightfully concerned, like the rest of us, over the increase in racist, homophobic, and anti-Semitic comments posted on Twitter since Elon Musk's acquisition of the platform. Following the completed $44 billion deal late, uh, late last week, a slew of hate speech posts from anonymous users exploded on the social media platform, including racial slurs, Nazi memes, and the N-word, which were in part intended to test out the limit of the company's new moderation policies. And that's according to the Washington Post. He says, I don't know Elon Musk, and I couldn't care less who owns Twitter, but I will say that if this is true, I hope he and his people take this very seriously. Because this is scary AF. So many damn unfit people saying hate speech is free speech, said James, and pointed at new research in a Business Insider article. The Network Contagion Research Institute tweeted on Friday over the last 12 hours, the use of the N-word has increased nearly 500% from the previous average. Musk, 51, has many concerns over his relaxed attitude towards content moderation, which includes his thoughts on removing the ban on Donald Trump's Twitter account. However, before his Twitter takeover, Musk issued a public letter to advertisers 
assuring them that he did not want the platform to become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. Only time will tell how this plays out. (sighs) Why do we hate each other? What do we stand to gain when we hate and we spread hate and we spew hate? Hate is the reason the world is so divided. We hate. For what? To what avail? What do we accomplish when we hate people? Aren't we tired? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's okay not to like someone. You don't have to like everyone. But to hate them? is Oh, so hating is the opposite of liking, I guess. If I don't like you, then I must hate you. Makes no sense. You can have zero stance when it comes to certain people. You don't have to like everybody, but damn, you don't have to hate them. And if you hate them, does that mean you have to eliminate them? How do people get up every morning and just spew (laughs) hate? Harsh words at people right off the bat. When you open your eyes, that's the first thing that comes to your mind? Nothing else? Nothing positive? You spew hate. Is it because you're hated on? Is it because you were bullied? Is is it because you think you're better than? I wish for a world where that didn't exist. Just as we here, right here in Coffee and Toe, are able to agree to disagree, and we can do so respectfully, why can't the rest of the world do the same thing? Why is it so important to to denigrate, to tear down, to shred other people to pieces, literally and figuratively? If you don't like a person, all right, cool. You still have that, me still have here, so. Let and let live. We say we want peace, but we don't even know what it is because we're not even at peace with ourselves. And we're not seeking to find the peace. We think by carrying out malicious acts. That's how we're getting peace. There are some people who are very disturbed. And I can only wish them the best. As we see here in news stories. They say they want better, but they don't. Or is it that they are encapsulated with the... What's that syndrome? What's it? Stockholm syndrome? They can't relate to anything. If they if they sample something that feels good, they're uncomfortable with it and go right back to that space where there is bitterness and envy and greed and jealousy. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. 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 They they're not willing to and you know that's a misery loves company, right? And so here we go. Hatred. 
skyrocketing 500%. Misery does love company. But what about finding minds that will help you elevate and rise above whatever it is that you're going through and help you to see the other side of life through a different lens that, listen, there is good and it's good to be good. It is so sad. With him encouraging free speech, I hope he understands there also needs to be the the promotion of responsible free speech. Because what we don't want to have because of people posting irresponsibly on Twitter is an uptick in suicide. Right? We don't want that. Definitely don't want to see that. Especially with young people. And young people, children can be bullies. And then they will get on Twitter and start um, bullying other people. Hurting their feelings. And these people that they're attacking. Who don't know how to deal with what it is that they're faced with. And feel as though the world is against them, turn around and take their lives. We don't want them being susceptible to this sort of thing. So I would urge, um, what's his name? Elon Musk. I would urge him to put certain measures in place and see to it that whilst you promote free speech, you promote responsible free speech because if you just allow people to spew hate how can the world heal how can the world do better we don't have to agree with the um, everybody's lifestyle we don't have to like every race but let us respect people as human beings as we seek to be respected do unto others as you would have them do unto you an Atlanta officer indicted on murder charge following fatal shooting of teen. Oliver Simmons, who spent time on security detail for former Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, has been charged with murder after fatally shooting 18-year-old Dietrich Griffin following the slider theft at a Shell station in southwest Atlanta. The story is courtesy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. A Fulton County grand jury indicted Simmons on Friday on charges of felony murder, aggravated assault, and two counts of violating his oath, court records show. He is the latest police officer criminally charged amid District Attorney Fanny Willis's efforts to work through a backlog of use-of-force cases. Simmons was off-duty and not wearing his uniform when he stopped to get gas on January 15, 2019, authorities said. Griffin jumped into the officer's driver's seat while he pumped the gas, a form of theft known as a slider crime. It is unclear if he knew he was taking a police car. The teen began to drive off and Simmons tried to stop him, the GBI confirmed. At some point, the officer fired multiple shots at the suspect, investigators said. The car traveled a short distance before crashing into two parked vehicles. Griffin, who was unarmed, died inside. Simmons joined the police department in April 2010 and suffered a minor injury to his foot when he was allegedly run over during the encounter, authorities said. 
The teen's death reignited a debate over when or even if officers should fire at a fleeing vehicle. Atlanta Police Department has a policy that prohibits officers from discharging their weapons at fleeing vehicles, but carves out a broad exception that allows a reasonable and necessary use of force. Griffin's family believes the officer used excessive force and is happy over his indictment. Play a stupid game. Oh, Prezi. Because that kept, that could have turned out many other um could have turned out differently um if the guy if the actual suspect had a gun. So I mean I don't know exactly how the how the charges um you know the the, the actual process of how they decided to yeah you're right prezi where are you we lost you there prezi oh prezi got a call you can't jump into an officer's car even if um in this day and age times have changed significantly everybody's on high alert you have to there's certain things you just don't do even if it's a dare with your friends and say hey i'm gonna jump in this car if it's for fun certain things you just don't do please young people may seem like you know a th you may be a thrill seeker have that adrenaline pumping and people may be pumping up yes yes do it no I didn't even know there was a name for something like this uh, slider. It's called a slider crime. You see a police vehicle parked and you get in there and drive, try to drive off. And the officer wouldn't. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Go ahead. But moments, it wasn't a police vehicle, right? He was in his own car. Let me hold on. You're, hold on. The officer's driver's seat. Now, we don't know. Was it his own car or what? Because I know sometimes officers will drive the police car, so I don't know. It's Prezi, did you hear about the story up there? Um, do you know if it was his personal car or if it was a police vehicle? I thought the first time um, this came up, he was in his own car you know, going to wherever he was going, either coming from or going to, uh -huh. and he stopped for gas. Um, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling some type of way about this okay. because it, it, to me, it's like, if I'm in my, if I'm in my civvies, if I'm a civilian, let's, let's not even say he's an officer. It's just me pulling up in a gas station at night and someone now try to come in and take my personal property. Mm -hmm. Again, as a gun owner, I have to think before I discharge my gun. So it's like, is it my personal property over now my freedom? Okay. Right? So, yeah. Stick up in, Javed. So I, I, found, I went to AJC. An Atlanta police officer has been indicted on a murder charge in 2019 shooting of a teenager who stole his unmarked car. So it sounds as though it's an unmarked police vehicle. Yeah, so then it's like, 
<laughs> let me see. Here in Texas, they have these um, police cars that are all white, right? Yeah. And the words on the cars all white as well. <laughs> you don't know you're coming up on the car. You don't know that it's a police or well, I know certain things to distinguish, but as a regular person, you don't know you can zoom past this car and it's only when you zoom past it you can actually see the word sheriff or constable or something like that. Right. So again, I'm kind of just taking this story as right. I'm a civilian at a gas station and someone now jump in and try to steal my car. I feel sorry on both sides. Yeah. I feel sorry for the officer. I feel sorry for the family of the young child that, you know, or whomever the kid is that did this as well. Oh but boy. I think my phone got cut off. Yeah, so, so, hold on, Presley. Hold on one second. Um, Javed, so it says here also, it's unclear if he knew he was taking a police car. So down here, we have unmarked. Unmarked. You don't know at all. How you know that, well, how I, I'm able to figure it out. The tint is black, literally black. And then sometimes um, you will see a little light. You know, they have those lights. On the back of the dash, what you call that section at the back of the car where the, the back windscreen is? What you call there? You know, people put their umbrellas, some people put stuffed toys and all of that back there. Yeah. You'll see, yeah. Yeah. You'll see lights across there, and that's how you will know sometimes. Sometimes they have county license plates, but for those that look like regular civilian vehicles, it's the tint that makes me know. Yeah. They're definitely, um, yeah. And then most of them have that black kind of antenna thing that kind of sticks out certain portions of their car. Yeah. The little look like a little box or whatever. Yeah. So again, even if he didn't or did not know that this was a police vehicle, he tried to jump into somebody's car when they were pumping gas. Yeah. So unfortunate. <sighs> All right. Go ahead, Prezi. Go right ahead. Yeah, I think I think I was trying to get ver I think what Javet was saying, that's the verification that I was trying to um understand or trying to get because was it a case whereby he did not know So uh, yeah, so we went so I went dumpster diving. So I went um to AJC.com and in the story it says that he um let me go back to it. It's unclear if he knew he was taking a police car. It was an unmarked police car. Okay. And the po and the police officer himself, like, is it a case whereby he did not realize, I didn't know who was in the car and he just fired the shots in the car? That part, I don't know. All I know that all we have here is that he fatally shot a teenager who stole his unmarked car at the gas station in 2019. Um, he tried to stop him. He wouldn't stop, so he fired shots into the car, I think four shots, and the driver crashed into two vehicles and died in the vehicle. I think what should happen, Prezi and Javet, is that instead of shooting into the vehicle, shoot the tires. Shoot the tires. Uh, okay. That. Okay. So uh, let's hear what Otada has to say, Prezi. Hold on a second. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Otada. So, um, 
with that, both both um, parties are wrong. The kid is wrong for for trying to steal the car in the first place. The officer um, is ultimately wrong in this situation because um, policy in Atlanta um, states that you do not fire into any vehicle. The only time that you fire into vehicles is if the vehicle is being used as a weapon, um, which would justify deadly force. Okay. And that even and even that scenario, you still can be brought up on charges for that. So the officer knew or should have known that this this could occur. Uh, most likely what um, common officers do is that they panic because once you get your vehicle stolen or anything stolen um, that you're issued, it's a big to-do with the department. So he most likely panicked. Okay. But, but, but my question to you, Otara, what, what, what should he have done in that case, though? What, what would have been the, 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 I mean, because I guess my question is, was he, is he, is he, was he tried as an officer or as a civilian? It, you're going to be tried as a civilian. Anytime you're, you're brought into court, you're a civilian. It doesn't matter what your job title is. But what he, what he should have done, what I would have did, picked up a cell phone, called the cops. Mm. And you'll get you'll get far more response that way. Um, an officer's vehicle is stolen because they don't know what type of weaponry that you are you have been issued at that particular time, and all that is accessible to whoever now has your vehicle. But... And they are equipped with GPS, so you are known to wherever that vehicle is. It will be tracked and found immediately. So it's. He should have thought about that from the get go. So just let it go. Yeah, let it go. Call the cops. They they have these wonderful tools that um, man invented: radios and GPS. Yeah, it kind of so silly. But in any case, so 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 his car, so the car was belonged to the department. It wasn't his personal car, right? That's correct. Okay. And especially unmarked. Um, the GPS, they, they want to know where you are at all times. If you stop for five minutes while you're on duty, five to ten minutes, radio is calling. Your supervisor is calling. What are you doing? So you, you would have been, um, that car would have been found. You'd have, you probably gotten a write-up or whatever it is, but the write-up versus your freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for for um, explaining the protocol there, um, our daughter. So you're probably right. He probably panicked. But in a case of panicking, do they teach them to shoot the tires or shoot into the vehicle? I, I mean, I don't know. Is something is and that something that's even taught? Shoot the tires, flatten the tires. They can't go anywhere. Anytime you um, discharge your service weapon, you're you're using it to stop a threat. And I'm using air quotations. Yeah, I so, understand. No, <laughs> no, you you are not taught to shoot tires. No, you are not ta- taught to shoot inside vehicles. Um, that's where your judgment comes in. If it's being used as a weapon to cause harm to uh, civilian life or you're there protecting another life, that's where you have to use your common sense and your judgment. If you have to shoot inside a vehicle to stop a threat like that, by all means. But... You're not taught that. Right. And they they say these things in training because once you do certain things like that, the department's hands are off. You're on your own. You're on your because own. Because you made 
you know, you made the judgment call to do so. Wow. Well, I mean, so that's like, why you always sorry. have to keep, keep a clear, uh, clear and level head, which most, most don't. Right. Wow. Thank you, Altard. I appreciate the insight. Go ahead, Prezi. Go right ahead. No, I was just saying it kind of just unfortunate because, I mean, you know, like, especially, especially dealing with or basically have heard and seen, you know, the type of, um, you know, say, no, the type of youths that we have to deal with in Atlanta in particularly. Mentally, it's no joking matter. You understand? So it's like, you know, for him to fall into, you know, it's unfortunate for him to fall into a situation like that and for him to not be at fault. But, you know, and when you look on the other hand in a sense, it's like, because that same, what them call it, the sliding thing or whatever is it that them classify the it as. slider crime, yeah. Right. It is a ram, it has been a rampant thing in Atlanta um, for the past couple of years, right? And, I mean, it literally has just basically, you know, just continue just to evolve in so many other different things. When it comes to um you know just criminal behaviors in Atlanta, it's like it's to the point where by Atlanta just come coming like a, a, a I don't you know like a breeding ground for just you know the, the burglaries. I mean like breaking car entry, car breaking and you know theft and all of that. So it, it it unfortunate for him, right? Because you know I guess in terms of following protocol or whatnot, but I mean. You know, it, it's sticky. Man, I like it. It's sticky. Yeah. Uh, that that's very sticky. I, I don't know how I would respond. That's the truth. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, "Yeah, he he should know better," and blah blah blah. But the truth is, I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't oh, a moment. Yes. If it's so rampant in Atlanta, I, it's hard for me to believe that there's no policy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there has to be some kind of policy. I mean, if if this happening so often there, uh, I don't see why they wouldn't address it and and uh, have a policy. Look, if somebody care, you did this rare, rare, rare within compliance. So I don't know. This it's so confusing to me. That's a fair point. That's a fair point, Fabian. I yeah. mean, you know, especially you as an officer in a situation like that, you know, and having. For basically dealing with, I mean, that has basically, as I said, been like an, an issue all across the board. So it's like, you know, you are you as an officer and knowing that this is a common trend, you know, what do you do in a situation like this? I mean, well, I don't know. Uh, I, I could clarify that a little bit. Um, there is a policy on that, and we are, we're, we, but officers are taught. <laughs> hey, man, you know, the, uh, they, you know, right? I'm stuck on your police chief. Yeah. <laughs> Former life. We flip up a while ago. <laughs> oh, oh, police happenings, you know, so anyhow, go on through. Yeah, former life, former life, Fabian. <laughs> so, um, the policy is that you're, you have the key fob on your, your keys. If you leave your keys in the ignition, which you're not supposed to do first and foremost, you, press that key fob and you lock the doors because it's, it is it was rampant not just um a few or this year or a few years ago it's been happening for a long time so you're supposed to keep that door locked no matter what and if in the event that it does happen you just know that let it go because as i said it's tracked all of this tracked your um what they call the mds is which is your computer that you do for um that you use for all your um 
traffic citations and everything has its own GPS on there as well as a vehicle. So take your ride up, take your three days on the beach, as we used to call it, <laughs> and, and go home. Days but you, yeah. In other words, you're going to get suspended. Yeah, yeah. It's your vacation. Just yeah, just take it and, and go. But to act as such is not not what is taught. Yeah. If you can if you can stop catch him before before it gets um he gets away, cool. If not, let it go. Yeah. And um, that's just a plain simple truth of it. I think let it go is the best thing to do. I think my and I'm just thinking about my personal vehicle, right? I would probably probably be inclined to want to try to stop the vehicle if I have a child in the car. You know what I mean? But outside of that, take the care and go on, my friend. Have fun. Insurance is there for a reason. You know, if, if my property is in there, guess what? Whatever I'm going to lose can be returned to you. Might not right away. Yes, you're going to have inconvenience. But I'd rather that than end up on the as a criminal, <laughs> you know, because and, now I'm guilty of murder. And there was another part of the story that, um, if I heard it correctly, that um, reason why it, the circumstances went to where it went with him, because he was not in uniform. Oh, okay. Anytime, anytime you're in a, um, a vehicle, you're supposed to have some sort of identifier on you. If you didn't have any identifier on him, then that's a violation of policy also. That and makes sense. With exigent circumstances, if there was a child in a vehicle like, like such, then he would have been more justified in the shooting because now he's trying to protect a life. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So many moving parts. Again, Autoda, thank you so much for shedding light into what could or should have happened instead based upon the training. All right. Justices passed affirmative action views in their own words, courtesy of the Associated Press. A Supreme Court is the most diverse in history. Well, the Supreme Court that is the most diverse in history. We'll hear two cases today challenging the use of affirmative action in higher education. It is a topic a number of the justices have already said a lot about. The cases say that Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, respectively the nation's oldest private and oldest public college, improperly use race as a factor in admissions, giving preference to black, Hispanic and Native American students and the conservative dominated court is widely expected to rule against the universities. Three of the court's six conservatives are on record opposing affirmative action policies while one of the court's liberals has been a passionate defender. That could make for a particularly interesting argument especially given the makeup of the court. The group of nine justices includes the first Hispanic justice as well as two justices who are black, one liberal and one conservative, and who are expected to disagree on the case's outcome. What members of the court have said previously uh, about affirmative action and what to watch for during today's arguments. And we're going to start off with Chief Justice John Roberts. In his 17 years leading the court, Roberts has repeatedly 
opposed affirmative action policies and criticized race-based categorizations. In a 2007 case in which the court rejected efforts to combat segregation in Seattle schools, he wrote, The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. And in a different case involving race in redistricting, he memorably wrote, it is a sordid business, this divvying us up by race. The last time the court considered an affirmative action case in 2015, Roberts asked about the benefits of diversity this way during his arguments. What unique perspective does a minority student bring to a physics class? Clarence Thomas. Thomas has a long record of opposition to affirmative action programs, and his views relate to his own experience. The court's second black justice is also its most outspoken opponent of affirmative action and has said that his law degree from Yale was tainted because people assumed he was admitted to the school because of affirmative action. In 2003, Thomas dissented when the court, by a 5-4 vote, backed the use of race in admissions. He wrote in that case, Grutter versus Bollinger, I believe blacks can achieve in every avenue of American life without the meddling of university administrators. Every time the government places citizens on racial registers and makes relevant to the provision of burdens or benefits, it demeans us all. Samuel Alito said, well, let's talk about him first. Alito has made no secret of his disagreement with the court's affirmative action rulings. In 2016, when the court upheld a University of Texas admissions program that takes account of race, a ruling surprising some observers, Alito wrote a dissent that was more than twice as long as the majority opinion. He also summarized his dissent out loud in court, a rare step justices take as a way of emphasizing their displeasure. So Neil, Brett, and Amy, the court's remaining three conservatives, all appointed by President Donald Trump, have no track record on affirmative action. Of the three, however, Kavanaugh has underscored his commitment to diversity in his own hiring practices. During his Senate confirmation hearing, he noted that a majority of the young lawyers he has hired as law clerks have been women, and more than a quarter have been minorities. Still, at the time, Groups pointed to a 1999 Wall Street Journal article Kavanaugh wrote as evidence he would oppose affirmative action. Sonia Sotomayor, the liberal Sotomayor has repeatedly and proudly said that she's a product of affirmative action. The court's first Hispanic justice grew up in the Bronx, New York, and attended Princeton on a full scholarship. She excelled and went on to Yale Law School. Affirmative action was a door opener that changed the course of my life, she said. Kagan, before becoming a Supreme Court justice, Kagan was dean of her Harvard Law School and President Barack Obama's top Supreme Court lawyer as Solicitor General. She sat out earlier affirmative action cases at the court, likely because of her involvement in the cases while in government. The Obama administration took positions supporting affirmative action. 
Ketanji Brown Jackson, Jackson, who earlier this year became the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court, could have a lot to say on the topic of affirmative action. While the group challenging Harvard's and UNC's policies argues that the Constitution is colorblind, Jackson said earlier this month in a different case that she believes a constitutional amendment or the constitutional amendments made following the Civil War were adopted in a race-conscious way. Jackson will only participate in the UNC case. And Sandra Day O'Connor, yes, the court's first female justice, retired from the court nearly two decades ago. But her words are likely to echo at Monday's arguments since she's the author of the Grutto versus Bollinger opinion that justices are being asked to overturn. O'Connor closed that 2003 opinion in part by saying that affirmative actions days might be numbered. She wrote, we expect that 25 years from now, the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary to further the interest approved today. If the court does bar race-conscious admissions when it decides the case by the middle of 2023, it would shave five years off her timeline. So how do we feel about affirmative action in schools, public and private? Should they do away with it or should it be part of it how do we feel about do we support it or do we not anybody so um go ahead Javette. go right ahead <laughs> I feel you, I feel you, Javed. I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> and I wrote in the chat, I have so much that I feel about this and I have so much that I want to say about this. But I think the one judge, Sonia Sotomayor, uh-huh. what she spoke sums up how I feel about it. And the other thing I want to say, since we've had the laws of affirmative action. I know that there are times, a lot of times, where the original mindset of it has been massaged a little differently. Let me say it that way. Because women have been able to secure positions because of this law that took effect that was so, that was born out of trying to correct a wrong in the past i understand the arguments on both sides i just in my heart don't know what can replace it and in my heart see how the world would be after it those two pictures are struggling with each other and i guess i'm going to just yield there and i agree with you javette i have to agree with you 
I have said here many times that I long for a world where it should not matter what you look like. You should be able to secure a position based upon your abilities, your capabilities, what you're able to do, what you're able to contribute. It shouldn't be about my background, economic background, where I land on the economic scale. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if I'm from a low-income home or a high-income home. If I have earned the spot, I have earned the spot. This, right? Whether it's a job, education, anything. It should be based on what I am able to do. And I see it on both sides too, Javet. I, I see what you're saying. It is a struggle. It is a shame. But given the landscape of this country where the division is encouraged you have to belong to a group you, you have to belong you cannot just be a person you cannot just be a human being you have to go into a box we must put you in a box and you know you're like dun, 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 which box are we gonna okay that box right there they have to go in that box as a way to continue segregation unfortunately Affirmative action is needed to ensure that people aren't left out. It's a shame. And how is it, and let me ask a question, why is it that minorities who are given opportunities are viewed as being privileged? That's what I'm sensing from this. And I might be wrong. It's as though, okay, so we we gave 20... Um, minorities from the black group um jobs we gave 20 from the indian group we get why does why does it have to be as though we're we're feeling as though we're privileged oh my gosh such a privilege or the other group is saying why are they being given the job why i guess i'm in fairy tale land i'm dying for the day when it doesn't matter what you look like. You're qualified, you're qualified. You earned a spot, you earned a spot. Fair and square. That's me. I don't know. But until we get there, unfortunately, we have to have affirmative action in place. And if it were not in place, What's her name? The one you agree with? Sotomayor? Sonia? She wouldn't be yeah. there. Yeah. In, in all honesty, um, Clarence Thomas, <laughs> he really... <laughs> man, let me be quiet. <laughs> so, Dre agrees with me. I don't like affirmative action, but it's needed in the U.S. You can't trust the American people to do the right thing when it comes to being equal on race. You can't unfortunately so until we can get there we need this tool it is our crutch it is our walker anyhow you want to put it it is what is going to guarantee some not all but some degree of fairness it's 2022 and we're still having these kind of conversations about division and segregation and opportunity It's as though we're pedaling backwards, in my opinion. 
we are going backwards. <laughs> every every time a vote comes up, it is to um, stop something that was put in place that was supposed to help. Hmm. May it be with education, may it be with um, medicine, medical. I, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Every time a vote comes up, it's to strip something that was put in place to help those that don't have the same opportunities. So, uh, Prezi, go right ahead. <laughs> go right ahead, Prezi. Oh, no, I was just going to comment and say, why nothing could have moved um, forward in, in, in any way in San Diego. <laughs> So I just feel like it just did a backward movement straight. <laughs> Percy, you know the saying, um, forward ever, backward never. It's the reverse for us. It's the reverse. Forward never, backward ever. Ever. <laughs> so in the chat, Chief put, good, mor oh, good morning, all good morning, Chief. White women have been the majority benefactors of affirmative action. White men are angry because it is changing the status of white male economic domination. So I went on Google, wikipedia.com, thank you, .org, sorry, affirmative action. Affirmative action involves sets of policies and practices within a government or organization seeking to include particular groups based on their gender, race, sexuality, creed, or nationality in areas in which such groups are underrepresented, such as education and unemployment. Historically and internationally, support for affirmative action has sought to achieve goals such as bridging inequalities in employment and pay, increasing access to education, promoting diversity, and redressing apparent past wrongs, harms, or hindrances so based on that definition thanks to wikipedia.org it is something that is gonna have to stay in place because when you have officials saying we can't talk about critical race theory and when you have officials saying things like teaching <laughs> our children that America is stolen land is wrong. And when you have people on social media saying that, oh, we built this country, not the blacks. We have an issue here. And until we are prepared to face the truth and speak the truth and understand that in speaking the truth, it is not meant to um, attack anyone. Right? Um, such a man has defended affirmative action most strongly, perhaps in a 2014 case in which her colleagues upheld a Michigan affirmative action ban passed in the wake of the court's Greta decision. And um, she wrote this, pointedly paraphrasing Robert, saying, and I quote, the way to stop discrimination on the base of race is to speak openly and candidly on the subject of 
of race and to apply the Constitution with eyes open to the unfortunate effects of centuries of racial discrimination. Is she wrong? No. Not at all. You have to be able to... We, we talk about sharing talk you know sharing our emotions as a means to healing we, we talk about those things right and the way to move forward is to address what is or what was so if we're constantly sweeping things under the rug or locking them away in the back of the closet how are we able to move forward because at the end of the day the very things that we're staring clear off or trying to avoid having conversations about those things are going to continue to haunt us and they're going to play on our minds we're going to want to focus and we can't because we can't stop thinking about the things we're trying to hide the things we're trying to dispel the things we're trying to change eliminate get rid of We can't take white out, you know, when you shake up your white out and because you make a mistake when you're writing something and you blot it out. We can't do that anymore. We're not going to ever be able to move forward, not in this country, at least, until we're willing to face the bull in the pen. Not going to happen. So until then, it is a tool that needs to stay in place. Because unfortunately you have misguided and miseducated and people who are living in a bubble as leaders. Oh, and on that note, as we're talking about the judges, it is very important that you vote if you're able to vote. Understand that these elections are paramount. Understand that these elections will determine who you will have in your municipalities in your cities, in your states. Understand that. By not going to the vote, to the polls to vote, to exercise your freedom of speech by doing that way, you are somewhat throwing up your hands in the air and allowing the very things that you oppose to take place. I've, we've said this and we've been talking about this. Arm yourselves with, with information. Do your research. It is important that you know what's on the ballots. The things that you agree with, the things you don't agree with, make your voice heard. Because if you haven't voted, then you can't say anything, really. Right? Regardless of how we feel. And understand that some votes will determine the people who will be in positions probably until the day they die. When you think about the courts. We complain about the unlevel playing field in the judicial system. We have the opportunity to do something about it by going to the polls to vote. All right. Just wanted to put that out there. Do not pass up your opportunity to make your voice heard. All right. 5 takeaways from the second Georgia gubernatorial debate. Hmm. This story courtesy of CNN 
Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Democratic nominee Stacey Abrams faced off in their second and final gubernatorial debate on Sunday night, with a little more than a week to go before Election Day amid record high early voting in the state. They sparred over the state's economy, abortion rights, and in a sign of the race's national implications, whose party should be blamed for the country's woes. Kemp has led in most polling of the race, but Abrams, who came within a few thousand votes of pushing their 2018 race to a runoff, has a strong base of support and has succeeded in helping to mobilize Democrats in her campaigns and those of other high-ranking Democratic candidates, including President Joe Biden and Senators Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in their 2020 campaigns. There are 36 states voting for governor this year, with 20, including Georgia, being defended by Republicans. The state legislature is controlled by Republicans who, with Kemp's sign-off, passed into law three years ago an abortion bill that bans the procedure as early as six weeks of pregnancy, with some exceptions. Now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned by the Supreme Court, that law is in effect and further restrictions could be on the way. Abrams fiercely criticized Kemp on the issue, noting his refusal to state clearly whether he would sign off a new legislation from anti-abortion rights Republicans. Kemp, in turn, repeatedly sought to pivot the conversation back to the economy, specifically inflation and Georgia's relative prosperity in spite of it, while trying to portray Abrams as a progressive radical who wants to defund the police. Her position is considerably more complicated. Well, let's look at five takeaways. A tale of two economies. Is Georgia booming, as Kemp says, or nearing a calamitous bust, as Abrams argued? The candidates painted vastly different portraits of the economic situation in the state, with Kemp pointing to higher wages and lower unemployment and blaming any pain on inflation, which he attributed to Democratic policies in Washington, while Abrams singled out a low minimum wage and Kemp's refusal to accept Medicaid expansion funds under Obamacare as twin albatrosses being worn by Georgia's working class. The future of abortion rights remains a potent issue. Number two, in some sense, the abortion debate is at a standstill in Georgia. The state has a law on the books passed three years ago that bans the procedure for after about six weeks. And with the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision, it is now in effect. But Abrahams and the debate moderators had other, another question for Kemp. With no federal limits in place, would the Republican if re-elected, sign further restrictions into law. Kemp did not give a straight answer, yes or no, saying he did not want to prejudge any specific piece of legislation without actually seeing exactly what it is doing, before adding, it is not my desire to go back, to go move the needle any further. He did not say he wouldn't, Abrams responded, underscoring the uncertainty that lingers around the issue, which, as the moderators noted, remains a divisive one in the state, where more than half of those polled in a recent survey support abortion rights. Number three, Joe Biden versus Herschel Walker. They're not running for governor. 
but they are top of mind for many in Georgia. For Democrats, it's GOP Senate nominee Herschel Walker, who has become a symbol of what his critics describe as Republican hypocrisy on issues like abortion, support for law enforcement, and business acumen. On the Republican side, President Joe Biden is the go-to boogeyman for most economic issues, with GOP candidates and their surrogates relentlessly trying to tie Democratic nominees to the president and the soaring inflation that's occurred during his time in office. Americans are hurting right now because of a disastrous policy agenda by Joe Biden and the Democrats that have complete control of Washington, D.C., and that's according to Kemp. When his economic record came under attack, of course, Abrams in turn called out Kemp's support for Walker during their abortion tussle. He refuses to defend us, and yet he defended Herschel Walker, saying that he didn't want to be involved in the personal life of his running mate, but he doesn't mind being involved in the personal medical choices of women in Georgia, she said. Walker who said repeatedly in the past that he favors a full abortion ban with no exceptions, faces allegations from two women who say he urged them to get abortions. Of course, he has denied the claims. Number four, voting rights remain a flashpoint. During their first debate, Abrams and Kemp shouldn't get too much credit for following the law and not giving in to former President Donald Trump's efforts to overturn his 2020 laws in Georgia. There was less talk about two years ago this time and hardly any mention of Trump throughout the night. But voting rights, in particular, a new law known as SB 202, came under harsh scrutiny from Abrams. The right to vote is sacred to me. It is an abomination, SB 202, that has allowed racists, white supremacists to challenge the legal authority of citizens to vote, she said. In response to news of record early voting turnout, Abrams argued that the fact that people are voting is in spite of SB 202, not because of it. Kemp, like he did in their first debate, accused Abrams of trying to manipulate and scare people at home and defended the state as a place where it is easy to vote and hard to cheat. And number five, crime is a big issue, but Kemp and Abrams see different reasons why. The crime debate, both nationally and in statewide races, tends to follow similar tracks. Republicans blame Democrats for going soft on criminals and hard on police, often invoking the short-lived movement to defund the police against their opponents. Democrats push back, touting their support for law enforcement before pivoting to GOP opposition to new gun restrictions. And so it went in Georgia on Sunday night. Go check the record because Ms. Abrams on CNN got asked the question, would she defund the police? And she said, yes, we have to reallocate resources. That means defunding the police, Kemp said. Abrams denied the claim, saying Kemp was lying again about her record, which indeed is more nuanced before turning to the Republicans' record of loosening gun restrictions. Abram said, Guns are the number one killer of our children. We have the ninth highest gun violence rate in the nation. Family violence with guns has gone up 
18, 18% under this governor. And his response was to weaken gun laws in the state of Georgia. In reality, both Abrams and Camp have gone out of their way during this campaign to highlight their support for law enforcement. Abrams has, has proposed $25 million in state grants to local agencies that would go to raise, oops, I had a, something pop up here. I'm so sorry. That would go to raise wages for police officers while Kemp repeatedly touts his support from leading law enforcement officials, the vast majority of whom have endorsed his campaign for a new term. So those are the takeaways from the debate last night. Crime, a big issue. Voting rights remain a flashpoint. Joe Biden versus Herschel Walker. I don't know why. And the future of abortion rights remains a potent issue. A tale of two economies. Well, folks, let's see how it plays out at the polls. I'm sure they're going to be drumming up their efforts in the state of Georgia. Let common sense prevail. Let common sense prevail. Make the most suitable choice to benefit the state, not a collective group of people. Abrams is a beast, though. Yeah, you're right. She's a beast. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I mean, she she's bringing something, or she has tried, or she has been trying to bring about something that uh, I believe not just the city of Atlanta, but just the entire state of Georgia. You know, has, uh, you know, has somewhat grown, as you know, it has grown um onto most um, people here. You know, it, it just, there's just a a unique way in which she, you know, connects with everybody. Um, but um, in terms of, <clears throat> I would love for her to get the opportunity. I mean, you know, to 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 <laughs> to basically, um, you know, give a val a great effort, you know, to basically turn, you know, turn the state around in a sense. Yeah. Um, but but you know, it's a it's an uphill. It's a very uphill task. Um, very uphill task. So I would definitely love to see that, to see her get that opportunity. Honestly, um, love to see her get that opportunity. So but, let me ask you a question, Prezi. For the people that you speak to in your circle, what are their concerns with Stacey Abrahams, if they have any? Well, I think based on some people that I speak with, uh, funny acts, it's 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 almost. I think for some they're a bit reserved because they're saying that they don't want it to be like a like a. Um, you know, you remember when everybody was, you know, that, that it was like a trend to get uh, Trump out of the office and to vote Democrat. You know, when it was um, Biden versus Trump, right? So, so most, I think, some of the people that I speak with, their concern is that they don't want, their, their hope is not essentially somewhat of that um, perspective where, you know, you have, you know, all these, you know, grand ideas, right? Um, and really mobilizing the people and getting the people together, you know, just similar to what, what's been done now. And then, you know, there is no... Um, 
there's no results or there's no there when you know when you take office there's not not saying there's no results but your expectation is not exactly what what you would have hoped for you know when that particular individual you know actually enters office um that's the mix mix emotion that i that that are mixed um perspective that i kind of get um most people to be honest they literally just want you know to get to get camp out um for you know the especially the abortion reason um well yeah that, that's been some of the, the the perspective that you know kind of within the circle that i mean but um and I think you also have where their their hope is that you know this being her second time around that she would actually get it because you know after this if she don't get it then boy that might be it that might be it yeah that might be it all right thank you so much Percy so in the chat um she's too black for them she's seen as some by some as the angry black woman. <laughs> uh thank you for your comments, Javette. That that's just my opinion. Right. Cause she's she is like even the comments you made that she's a beast. Right? Yeah. She's seen as being soft. She's speaking up and she's adamant when she speaks, and even how I'm seen in my office at times. Okay. Because I was told to speak, right? Right. When you have something to say, speak up. Don't do it in a, deme a demure way. Right. But for some, it, it scares them. Yep. Especially <laughs> when you're in the skin that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have had to adjust. Okay. I have to be honest. I had to adjust for my own peace, okay? But I've never once seen her adjust. And I don't think she should. I don't think she I should. I think everyone should walk in their own light and do what they need to do. And I adjust when I need to adjust. And then I bring it right back when I need to bring it back, mm -hmm. okay? But for some of us, we still feel that we should be... Um, Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, and not like she gives it to them and <laughs> you have to know how to give it back. Okay. Yep. But, but the thing sometimes is their reasoning for not giving back is because she's too much. You, you know what I mean? But let me ask so you they a question. Can, they, can, they can use the excuse that they're afraid. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> when is someone too much someone like her because i call her a beast because i think she has done remarkably well she has been um when you talk about boots on the ground that's what she has been you know and she believes in seeing a new georgia and she's not doing it just for herself or for the democrats what she's doing is to benefit the entire state our definition of beast and their definition of beast, <laughs> I think is seen differently. We have our ebonic yeah. mindset of certain words, yeah. but it don't mean the same for others. Yeah. Here is a woman who is 
not afraid to be bold and not afraid to stand up unapologetically. And I, 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 I love her for that. Right? I do too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> U.S. midterm elections. Why five states have slavery on the ballot in 2022? I remember this came up a couple months ago. Um, well, it's back again on the news. This story, courtesy of BBC.com. It's 157 years since the U.S. Constitution banned chattel slavery in which one person is the legal property of another, but left in place an exemption for convicted prisoners. Throughout most of the U.S., slavery or involuntary servitude are still legal as punishment for a crime. But on November 8, voters in five states, Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont, will decide whether to remove these exemptions from their state constitutions and ban slavery entirely. Entirely. The outcome could enable prisoners to challenge forced labor. Some 800,000 currently work for pennies or for nothing at all. Seven states do not pay prison workers for any wage for most job assignments. Supporters of change say it's an exploitive loophole that must be closed. But critics argue that the move is unaffordable and could lead to unintended consequences in the criminal justice system. The roots of the modern system originate in the centuries of enslavement of African Americans, human rights researchers say. In the years after slavery was outlawed, laws were passed that specifically aimed to suppress black communities and force them into prisons where they would be required to work. Now, some imprisoned black Americans are still forced to pick cotton and other crops in the southern plantations where their forefathers were kept in chains. The United States of America has never had a day without codified slavery. That's according to Curtis Ray Davis II, who spent over 27 years serving hard labor in a Louisiana prison for murder that he did not commit before he was pardoned in 2019. Mr. Davis held a variety of jobs at the notorious Louisiana State Penitentiary, nicknamed Angola, after the country from which many of the African slaves in the area were brought. I worked for 25 years and came home with $124, says Mr. Davis, who was never paid more than 20 cents per hour for his work, which he says was against my will and at gunpoint. Around 75% of prisoners at the penitentiary are black, according to the Innocence Project, a group that works to exonerate wrongly convicted prisoners. They argue that Angola is essentially a place where American slavery never ended. Even though slavery was abolished, it truly was just a transfer of ownership from chattel slavery and private ownership to literally state-sanctioned slavery, says Savannah Eldridge from the Abolish Slavery National Network. Her organization has been working to expand the number of states that ban slavery with no exemptions and has tried to persuade lawmakers in Washington to pass a similar law amending the U.S. Constitution. Colorado, Nebraska, and Utah have passed measures banning all forms of slavery since 2018. 
Ms. Eldridge notes that the movement has attracted bipartisan support, the only way it could pass in Republican-dominated Utah and Nebraska. In 2023, she predicts that 18 state legislators will vote on legislation to ban slavery. Very few major opponents have come forward against the efforts by states to remove slavery language, but the movement has encountered some resistance from critics who say it would be too expensive to pay prisoners proper wages and that they do not deserve the same compensation or that the changes could disadvantage inmates. A vote in the California legislature to remove slavery references from the law failed this summer after Democrats, including the governor, warned that it would cost more than $1.5 billion to pay prisoners the state's $15 per hour minimum wage. The Oregon State Sheriff's Association opposes the measure there, saying it would lead to unintended consequences and the loss of all reformative programs, which include low-paid tasks like working in the library, kitchen, and laundry. The group says these give prisoners something to do and serve as an incentive for good behavior, which is a factor during parole hearings. It says two problems with the measure are that it only applies to those convicted, leaving out people in pretrial detention, and that it could spell the end of any prison program not specifically authorized by a court sentence. Oregon sheriffs do not condone or support slavery and or involuntary servitude in any form. The association says in two pamphlets to voters, adding that the passage of the measure will result in the elimination of all reformative programs and increased costs to local jail operations. Prisoners contribute to this chain, the supply chain and economy in many ways, some of them surprising. They have been commissioned to make everything from eyeglasses to car license plates to city park benches. They process beef, milk, and cheese and work in call support centers for government agencies and major companies. It can be hard to track which businesses have used is it going to be hard but anyway it can be hard to track which businesses have used prison label since the work is typically done for a subcontractor the subcontractor then sells the products and services to major companies which are sometimes unaware of their origin companies that have previously benefited from prison labor in utah alone include are you ready for this folks american express apple PepsiCo, and FedEx. And that's according to a June report from the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU. At least 30 states include prison workers in their emergency operation plans for natural disasters and other civil disruptions. They fight wildfires in at least 14 states, according to the ACLU. Prisoners' lives are unlikely to change overnight if the five states with upcoming votes do back a change however these referendums are necessary but not sufficient to end slavery says jennifer turner a human rights researcher with the aclu courts could still need to interpret what rights prison workers have and whether they will get benefits like sick leave that other non-incarcerated workers are legally entitled to in states which have previously removed the slavery exemption Outcomes have varied. In Colorado, 
A prisoner sued the state, arguing that it was violating the slavery ban, but a court ruled in August that voters had not intended to abolish all prison labor and dismissed the case. One jail in Nebraska has started paying inmates 20 to $30 per week after the exemption was removed there, and that's according to the New York Times. More legal challenges are expected as prisoners continue to push for rights and protections. Mr. Davis, who was wrongly jailed in Louisiana, says that removing the prison exemption will strip away an incentive for his home state to incarcerate its citizens. I believe that any person of conscience, any person that understands property law, understands that human beings should not be the property of other people, he tells BBC News, and they should not be the property of the state of Louisiana. You know what should happen? This is one thing I'm recommending. For people who have been wrongfully incarcerated, as this gentleman was, Mr. Davis, and who ended up going home with only $124 after serving 25 years for a crime he did not commit, I believe the prison should pay him at current market value rate, meaning what the job he did is worth now, calculate that by 25 years and give that to that man. He was wrongfully convicted. 20 cents per hour for 25 years. The prisons made a lot of money off of him. A whole lot. Anybody that is wrongfully convicted, if they're going to be released, they need to be released with a check. And that check should be equivalent to, certain factors have to be in there, the job function, hours worked, and the number of years on that job. Pay them fair and square. And take into account um, work experience. Go right ahead, Javette. <laughs> so I agree with what you said about a person that was wrongfully accused, right? Um, now, for the ones that aren't, I'm not understanding why they're calling it slavery, for one, right? Two, I think that the work that they're providing is paying for their time inside. Now, a lot of people may not <laughs> agree with me on that, but why should I pay you for the wrong that you did? So while you're in there and you have to work, you got to work. What else are you going to do? when you're in jail okay you took somebody's life you think you're just supposed to sit up and get your three hots in a cot for the rest of your life so again reimbursing someone that was wrongfully wrongfully accused i agree but for everybody else you got to work for your life and 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 
time off vacation pay. What? <laughs> I don't agree with the terminology, the terminology that they're using to call this slavery. I don't understand why it's being called slavery. But <laughs> all right, that's that's where I land. Ay, ay, ay. Mm -hmm. Let me ask a question. Is it right that because he said his experience, he was forced to work against his will and at gunpoint. Is that right? gunpoint or as they walk around with their guns to make sure you don't escape <laughs> i don't know i don't know either i don't know oh boy hot topic huh hot topic people will have yeah. mixed feelings about it people, people are, yes. yeah people are gonna have mixed feelings all I will say is what I said, Javette. If someone was wrongfully convicted and they had to serve time, cut them a check when they leave because you made money off of them being in there wrongfully. So, all right. And and plus, where they gonna go? What they gonna do when they get out? Yeah. They need real money. What is one hundred and twenty five dollars? That probably won't even pay for the bus ticket back to wherever they really originated from. In news out of Latin America, Brazil has a new president. Lula defeats Bolsonaro to become Brazil's president again. Okay, the story courtesy of the Associated Press. Luis Inacio Lula da Silva has done it again. 20 years after first winning the Brazilian presidency, the leftist defeated incumbent Jair Bolsonaro Sunday in an extremely tight election that marks an about face for the country after four years of far-right politics. With 99.9% .9 of the votes tallied in the runoff vote, da Silva had 50.9% and Bolsonaro 49.1%. And the election authority said Da Silva's victory was mathematical, was a mathematical certainty. At about 10 p.m. local time, three hours after the results were in, the lights went out in the presidential palace and Bolsonaro had not conceded or reacted in any way. Before the vote, Bolsonaro's campaign had made repeated, unproven claims of possible electoral manipulation, raising fears that he would not accept defeat and would challenge the results if he lost. The high-stakes election was a stunning reversal for De Silva, who is 77 years old, whose imprisonment for corruption sidelined him from the 2018 election that brought Bolsonaro, a defender of conservative social values, to power. Today, the only winner is the Brazilian people, De Silva said in a speech at a hotel in downtown Sao Paulo. This isn't a victory of mine or the Workers' Party, nor the parties that supported me in campaign. It is the victory of a democratic movement that formed above political parties, personal interests, and ideologies so that democracy came out victorious. Isn't Bolsonaro the one who um, has no regard for the Amazon? Yeah. 
and is just allowing people to go into the Amazon and relocate the indigenous and without permits and all of that. Yeah. Okay, well, let's see if it's a brighter day for the Brazilian people. They voted him in. Even though he was imprisoned for corruption and that sidelined him, sidelined him from the 2018 election. Is it that, that they're short on candidates? Just a question. Do we ever get tired of seeing this? Politics everywhere. Do you ever get tired of seeing the same people sometimes and wish for fresh faces? Yes. Oh my gosh. You wish for a change, man. It's the same old, same old. Look at Brazil. How how many people live in Brazil? Millions. And you want to, I got to look up their population. Hold on. Brazil. 214 million people. And that's per the World Bank. The, uh, 2021. Two hundred and fourteen million, and those are the only two people they can find: Bolsonaro and Da Silva. Nobody else capable. <laughs> it, so I don't, I'm not speaking with any knowledge, <laughs> but isn't that also one of the countries that have a very um, high? Um, crime boss syndicate type of yep okay so that's why yep <laughs> that's why i only find two people to run because they probably will hurt anyone else that tries brazil 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 where is perfect in this world nowhere right you gotta pick our poison Sometimes them says stick with the evil way, you know, or take the ball, lesser of two evils, Javette. Is that it? <laughs> yep. Video surfaces of a stray dog running through Mexican town with a human head. Officials in the Mexican state of, state of Zacateca say a stray dog was seen running down the street with a human head. A law enforcement official who was not authorized to be quoted by name told the Associated Press that the head was left in an ATM booth. That was the word I was looking for earlier when I made reference to this story, along with other body parts on Wednesday. Whew, video of the incident circulating on social media shows the dog trotting down a darkened street, holding the head in its mouth by the neck. People were able to take the head away from the dog before the dog took the head. Someone had reported finding the body parts along with a backpack and blooded notes. The notes referred to a drug cartel. The ATM where the remains were found is located near a government building. The town where the body parts were discovered, Monte Escovela, has been entrenched in a violent turf of war between Sinaloa. The first time I heard about, let me read the rest first, and Jalisco cartels. The first time I heard about Sinaloa was from the show. Who else watched it? Um, Queen of the South. Oh, that was a must watch. Yeah, Sinaloa, that was the first time I heard about that place. According to the AP, cartels leave notes with human remains as an intimidation tactic. Sometimes they are left for rival gangs and other times they are meant for authorities. <sighs> Cartel life. Um, 
for people who want to get in to the cartel as a means to an end or is it they do they choose it or are they forced into it depending on what part of mexico they live or colombia or nicaragua or venezuela or any country um is it something that you have no choice but to join the cartel knowing very well that rarely you make it out alive why do we choose that as a way of life because drugs money enough money night you know yes see Matty, but what's your lifespan in it you know what i mean it's day by day literally and you know the same thing no catch quack or then catching shot people will lie on you people will set you up and then eliminate you eliminate your family how how do you sleep when people just decide to adapt to the life they're not going to sleep and yeah just like oh the scammer them decide to add a life uh, the chopper them decide to add a life they don't believe without you know so, second thought so Prezi, it's just live for today that's it mm, yeah basically i mean based on how them how how ruthless yeah yeah, yeah, yeah um how ruthless them operator you know i mean they just live for today and the, the fittest are the fittest survive really you know? like i mean you can't go in at the drugs thing but you know say when you go in at it i mean it's like you literally asleep with one eye for the rest of your life for the most part yeah you know and um, you don't work and you're you're okay with putting your family in that position yeah i mean especially when you get to certain ranks i mean it's like you know you you get to those ranks and you you would have that level of quote-unquote protection you know so you know you know that your family is potentially protected or whatever until you know, <laughs> i'm glad you said until because <laughs> mm-hmm. there is an until you know there is an until so yeah just yeah the life then decide we live on just leave it. I mean, kudos to them, but you know, but I, I'm assuming if you grow in that type of environment, I mean, you know, it's almost like like a regular routine for you. So you know, you really, you really not coming like none. Probably for some, you know, so you know, some people just become immune to certain things. So you know, you sit dead to the point whereby you become immune to that. So it's like. You telling yourself that you know you're not really fine for dead, you know. So that's just a, that's just the the, the um, realization that you know, them just said they must live with that. Just live. Mm. Oh, All right. Thank you, Percy. Oh boy, and that wraps up our stories out of Latin America, the international scene, and North America. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we have business and tech news, sports news, and more. Here's a little more soca for us to wake us up if you're not yet awake. <laughs> Keep it locked. 
Listeners listening online, logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. We do this every Monday starting at 9 a.m. This is where I read the news and we share our views. It is Move It Monday. We're doing it in Soka Styley. Coming up later on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, live on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and right here on Clubhouse, it is Days After Dark. Join the crew, Moments with me, Sanat, Solo, and Marlon for real relationship talk. After this one from Patrice Roberts, it is business and tech news. Keep it locked. Ever, ever get enough class. I really wanna sing it up on you. Wanna be bubbling up in your bed. Wanna be 
All right, thank you so much for keeping it locked. And it's time for us to get into the business and tech news. New study ranks airlines and airports who lost the most luggage. Chicago O'Hare number one. Catching a flight and losing your luggage is a traveler's worst nightmare. Sometimes the luggage is located, but sometimes it is not. Price for Limo recently revealed results of its survey that found more than half of the people surveyed said an airline had lost their luggage in the past, and just 34% of them have received their missing bags. In fact, 78% of people surveyed said they get nervous about checking bags, and that's according to Travel and Leisure. Oh, yeah, Chicago O'Hare. American Airlines, they say, lost the most bags this year, losing 850 bags per 100,000. JetBlue, Alaska Airlines, and United Airlines followed behind. Chicago O'Hare International Airport had the most issues regarding lost luggage, followed by Las Vegas's Harry Reid International Airport and San Diego International. Of the travelers surveyed who lost luggage, 72% said they lost an irreplaceable item. Luggage issues spiked as airlines and airports struggled to keep up with demand amid staffing shortages and air traffic control problems. Still, it's not a new problem in the travel industry. In 2021, the number of delayed, damaged, lost, or stolen bags increased by 24%. If you lose your luggage, you should contact the airline immediately and make sure to keep your baggage claim check slip. Also, take a picture of your bags. I guess it's safe to say this is where um, those Apple AirTags, that's what they're called, AirTags, would come in handy. You put them in your luggage um, so that you may have to do the tracking yourself, find the bag yourself. And then let um, customer service know, oh, hey, I've located my bag. It is in this airport, in this section. Keep going. I'll tell you when to stop walking. Bing! You're, you're close to it now. Ah, uh, wow. Alaska Airlines, how come they're losing luggage? They don't have that many people going up there or coming from up there, do they? Or I don't know. But get it together, airlines. Hire the folks and pay the people so they keep the jobs. Chick-fil-A testing bone-in chicken wings. All right. My mouth is watering just thinking about food right now. So Chick-fil-A is trying out bone-in chicken wings at one of its locations in Metro Atlanta. All right, y'all. We know Chick-fil-A is one of the chicken masters amongst the food chains. And now they're introducing bone-in wings at a Georgia location. On Thursday, they announced the bone-in wings would only be available at Truett's Chick-fil-A in Stock. Bridge, Georgia for a limited time. So, Prezi, you're close to Stockbridge, Georgia. I needed to go and test it out for, my, for us, Prezi. <laughs> yeah, I want to write the road Okay, so you're going to go test it out for us. So, you're going to get eight wings per order. They have the option um, to have the wings come in different seasonings or sauces. So, you can get buffalo, ranch, lemon pepper sriracha garlic and more so um do us a favor 
the sooner the better and they're gonna be running from october 31st to february 11. all right okay and it's while supplies last so i'm so could have done earlier could be exactly and i would imagine that with chick-fil-a is known to have cars wrapped around their buildings mm. i'm gonna say Prezi, let's try and get it um as soon as possible this <laughs> <way>. <laughs> let me know let me know uh, all right uh, don't don't let me down don't let me down okay. uh, <laughs> anyhow, wait uh, yeah don't don't we have more than just him in Atlanta? Oh yeah, Rosola, but she's probably working. So Rosola <laughs> is in Atlanta too, but she's probably working, so she can't speak right now. So I know I can get a hold of Prezi easier. <laughs> yeah. I'll let, we'll tell Rosola later on tonight. Maybe the guinea pig, I have a feeling it's gonna be good. I just have a feeling it's gonna be good. I just have a strange feeling. I don't know. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's see. All right. Shall see, shall see. <laughs> Thank you in advance. In health and science news, a man's breast cancer journey, seven years and three surgeries later. And yes, men can get breast cancer, okay? After three surgeries and seven years of fighting breast cancer, Donovan Chavance is crediting God for bringing him this far in his fight against the disease that is a rarity in men. Story courtesy of stlucia.loopnews.com. The 58-year-old former chauffeur is still on the road to recovery, but he's eagerly anticipating the day when he will be declared cancer-free and considered a breast cancer survivor. Until that day comes, Chavans is thanking God for his mercies so far. I wouldn't want not even my enemy to have this he said i have been fighting from 2015 to 2022 and i'm still here to god be the glory for great things he has done he told loop news in an interview the guava ridge east rural saint andrew jamaica resident did not know it was breast cancer until 2017 though he was diagnosed with cancer two years earlier he shared that he has always always used deodorant and would get the occasional bump in his armpit that would often disappear. However, on one occasion, he noticed that the bump came up and would not go away over time. In 2015, his wife, Lorna, nudged him to check out the bump at their family doctor. The medical practitioner described, prescribed sorry, a cream for it as it was initially thought to be an abscess. However, the cream did not help and the bump remained. Chavanese or Chavan, sorry, said he was immediately referred by his doctor to the University Hospital of the West Indies where a biopsy was done. The result? Cancer was detected. The doctor told him, yes, you do have cancer. He was in a state of bewilderment, of course. Of course. What I, it's so important. Men, even though it is very rare, it represents about 1% of all cancer cases in the U.S. Medical practitioners have stressed the need for men to be aware and report any lumps on the breast or chest. Women, check your men. Men, check yourselves. Okay, please. The bumps, and I know some women 
um, feel lumps under their arms too when it's approaching that time of the month when their cycle is about to start some women get lumps under their arms and then they go away but if you notice that they're not going anywhere ladies and gentlemen please take it seriously all right if you feel anything unusual it is better to push yourself go get it checked out and hear that nothing is wrong right have them do a biopsy and say nothing is wrong you're good than for you to ignore it and then it's too late by the time you're able to do anything all right breast cancer in men usually presents itself as a lump in the chest dimpling of the skin or changes in the nipple check yourselves in the mirror folks please do all right ladies if you notice something look a little different with your man please do something about it and now listen to him and tell us no nah, i'm gonna need for Ghana doctor drag him to the doctor please okay nothing is off limits anymore so he's grateful to be alive check yourselves can't stress that enough and today is the last day of the month of october also the last day for the um breast cancer awareness month it goes on it doesn't end in the month of october folks it's ongoing all of us have been affected one way or another if not directly but the, our family members have been affected right so do your self-examinations get your mammograms done please pay attention to your bodies all right in sports news matt barnes does not support the idea of trans women playing in the wnba he said, I think crossing that line is a line that should not be crossed. Former NBA player Matt Barnes expressed his thoughts on trans athletics during a sit-down with Vlad TV where he was asked about trans players potentially play playing in the WNBA. During the interview, Barnes admitted to DJ Vlad that he generally agrees with the idea of to each their own, but not when discussing sports. I don't like it, he quickly responded. You want to be whatever you want to be. I'm okay with that. I'm pro make your choice. Do you do this? But sports is different. You know what I mean? Sports is a different beast. After mentioning a trans professional fighter and collegiate swimmer, Leah Thomas, Barnes 42 suggested both had an unfair advantage in their sports. I don't like it, he reiterated. If you're born a woman, I think you should play women's sports. If you're born a man you should play man sports but if you want to be if you want to do whatever you want to do with your life i respect that that's not my business but i just think the sports thing is just a little different it would change the whole dynamic of the game to me i just feel like to each their own but when it comes to sports should not cross that line ah barnes who asserted that gender identity isn't always reflective of athleticism seemed to agree with arenas you might just not be it period in sports he said it is what it is Our... so by Sen, where are you? okay <laughs> so i'm actually there for but oh okay um by his logic he doesn't accept so a, a person born a man uh -huh. converting to a woman referred to as trans woman so he's okay with trans women playing in the NBA by his logic, right? They're born a man. 
So, oh. by his logic, trans women could be accepted by the NBA. You know, you're right. Wow, didn't think about that sin. And somebody may come up with that. You know, somebody may push back and say, but, oh, okay, careful now. Because they could, yeah. Hmm. So, basically, I want a trans woman to dunk on his butt. So. <laughs> See what he thinks about that. Never looked at it from that perspective. Wow. Because if they're born a man, they should be allowed to play in the NBA. But would we want to see that though? Is that something we want to see? A man running up and down on the court? You mean a man that used to be a woman that used to be a man? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yes. Thank you for clarifying for me, Javad. <laughs> You know, well, this thing just like it complicated. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just becomes extra complicated. Why they can't just have a a, a category? Like, right, that's, that, that, that's female, that's female have a chance category. I think that will solve the problem. But didn't mm -hmm. I say that a couple of weeks ago, Dre? That they should just probably have transport so that you know, so that they're not excluded. They can do right. it. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Similar to like where they have the, um, they call it the Paralympics. Right. But right. You know. Yeah. I don't yeah. even watch WNBA. No, what? we don't. I don't. I'm not gonna like say I don't. So what makes you think that that is gonna take off? Sense is. <laughs> the other part is that <laughs> they, they, they have, they, they, the community will support it. No, 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 no. The other part is there are not even that many trans individuals who would play sports. The, the percentage of trans individuals playing sports is so small. I don't understand why there's such a big uproar about it. Because of, the unlevel, because of the unlevel playing field and the advantage that someone born a man taking part in a woman's sport, they're going to have the advantage. For example, Leah, who wins because... She has the advantage being born a man. So you can't change their gene makeup. Is it gene makeup? Is that the right term to use? So that I don't know. Do you, do you know that black people have more, black women have more testosterone, right? Yes, Than um, white women, which gives them a, an advantage in certain sports. So should we, and they've already done this, They've already prevented many black women from um, competing in the Olympics because of their testosterone levels, right? And when I say women, I say, you know, yeah. so-called women, the whole, it's, it's very great sometimes for a lot of people because what defines a woman? But yeah, so you can't really define a person by their testosterone levels, but by that way, black women have an unfair advantage. Mm. People that are ambidextrous have an unfair advantage, <laughs> right? So there's a lot of unfair advantages. You're born, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're you're born six seven. Guess what? Unfair advantage. <laughs> it's life. So let me ask a question: Can they play in both sports? Can they play on the male team and can they play on the female team? Because what if they said, you know what, I want to play on both teams and I want to be able to be male athlete of the year and female athlete of the year. But what they identify as, uh, most of them change 
into China and identify as a woman or a man. But what if them change their mind and say, well, I want to participate in that sport over there today? You see the confusion now? Let's ask Bruce Jenner. Who competed in women's sports and men, right? He competed in the golf tournament as a woman. And won, actually. Yes, he did. I forgot about that. I don't know his woman name, so I only know him by Bruce Jenner. Sorry. (laughs) Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn. I don't know. (sighs) All I know is... I'm sorry, moments. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just taking a deep sigh. And Sin, really quickly... um, Black women don't have more testosterone than white women. It's it's some estrogen. It's not testosterone. So it's not test. It's not testosterone because I've heard that before too. Uh, you know, it's okay. Men, right. Women women have testosterone. Yeah, all women have testosterone, but black women don't have more than white women. Really? Okay, because it's not the first time I was hearing that statement. Wow. Yeah, estrogen. I will. I will check because I heard that um, these women couldn't compete in the Olympics because of their testosterone levels were too high. Yes, right. those, are specific, those are specific people. Those are specific people and individuals, and we are all not equal, oh, right? Okay. We know, that. but no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, so there were specific um, athletes who had female athletes who had more testosterone than some of the other females they were competing against. But it is not across the board that black women have more testosterone than white women. Just, just we when we can go into dig, dig into it and find the real results. But no, because I was like, that's not true. I know I heard it's not true. <laughs> There's something about, There's something okay, about a serum, um, serum estrogen that the white black women tend to have a higher level than white women. But it's not testosterone because that would mean that we're far more masculine, and that's going to start a whole other thing that we don't need to have that conversation. <laughs> I mean, we already get it enough that here I have a deeper voice than most than a lot of other people. Doesn't mean that I'm masculine in any way. Right. I'm still, you know, and I'm I'm not trans in any way either. <laughs> but I don't want I want to not have that become a thing or a statement saying black women are tougher and harder than than white women or, or other women of other um ethnicities. Okay. All right. So that. yeah. So thank you for that, Sin. I, um, Sin, we're gonna check it out because I know I heard it before too that we have more testosterone, um, than our counterparts. Interesting. All right. Okay. So, I go ahead, Javette. I just know that the world is already changing because I went to get my flu shot at a specific pharmacy. And on the form, you know, it normally just say F and M, male, male. It asked me what I am at birth. (laughs) And that's specifically what it said. What are you categorized at birth? So the world is already changing. Can I ask you a question, Javette? If your daughter brings someone home, are you going to feel the need to want to ask them what were you at birth? I don't I don't mind people business like that. I really don't. No, it is a question. No, seriously though. I I no, um, mm, I mm, mm. I would hope that she asked that person the question. But what because you I'm, not, know? I'm not 
it, it's really not going to make a difference because I'm not going to be in the bedroom with them. True, but at least you know how to. I I don't honestly right. I want to say no. You don't want to. It's know. not gonna. It's not gonna. It's not that I don't want to know. I don't think it's gonna make a big difference for me at this point in my life. You <laughs> said at this point in my life. At this point in my life, it's not gonna make a big difference. Okay. Now, if the person come and he's he or she or whatever it is is beating on her and treating her a certain way, then I'm gonna want to dig deeper into their lives. I would want to know, and and I want to know. Period. Um, it's not because I'm not telling anybody who to love. Not at all. Don't get me wrong. You love who you love, but I want to know who you're loving. That's what I want to know for me. Because, yeah, I want to know. So if I don't have, if I if I'm not if 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 my generation, my lineage can't go on, I know why it can't go on biologically i know why it can't go on. and i'm not saying they can't adopt that's not what i'm saying but but if you know biologically i know why it can't go on at least i will know and not be like oh my gosh no grandbabies i've died to have my grandkids and then i can't have no grandkids because that's the situation and i didn't know because i well, think i don't I, I don't want to be lied to either even even a normal whatever we want to classify as normal person may not be able to bring babies True. together you're right you are absolutely right but at least i mean that's natural that's natural versus someone altering themselves and then not saying anything so at least let me know so i know okay so don't look forward to grandkids unless they're gonna adopt that's how i look at it i don't know that's what i that's what i say i want to know Cause I don't want to sit there like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. If it's because you're born a woman and you cannot have children, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Quite frankly, I'm quite okay with that. I, you know, because it's not your fault. So I know how to move forward. I don't know. So touchy situation. Uh, uh, and it's a funny, for interesting that I literally um, was um, saw a story and. On Instagram just last week, and it was um, somebody who, you know, I guess was telling a story. Basically, they had a boyfriend, and um, she or that person <laughs> moved in with the boyfriend and her and the boyfriend's mother. So and this and basically stayed with them for about three months, right? And she basically, they basically, oh, I'm sorry. They basically stated that um, you know, they they had like two separate social media accounts, right? One for you know that disclosed their transition, right? And then another one that you know is like you know just a generic one, so you don't know you know it's pretty much who they are, right? So apparently they're saying that somehow. The family or the mother, I don't know whosoever, whatever. Somebody they stumble upon the the, the transitional um, social media account, right? And it was at that moment that they knew what you know what happened or what she what they did. So you know they literally um, you know freaked out and um, you know basically. Tell her to move out. That's, this is after three months, you know. Right. I tell them to move out and 
and whatnot. And the, the person was basically on there complaining and like, you know, you know, kind of basically wanting sympathy and all of that. But I'm saying, you know, why didn't you disclose that exactly. from the very beginning? Exactly. You know, because I mean, like, listen, like you can't, I mean, some people may be accepting to that in a sense, but I mean, you know, especially a guy. And yeah, that's what I'm mean. saying. You go disclose something like that, and you never this, you, you never send it like that for three months, and you did together for three months, and you don't necessarily, you know, that can that can cause some serious deception. Issues. Yeah. Oh you know. boy, unfortunately. I understand. Oh, go ahead, Javette, and then we're gonna wrap up. Go right ahead, Javette. I I understand. I understand that I wouldn't want to be in a relationship and not know that the person that I was with was of the opposite sex prior right. to I understand that part. Right. And I just yield there. <laughs> All right, folks, we have come to the end of another show. Thank you so much. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, Days After Dark, live on QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, join us right here on Clubhouse. If you don't already have the Clubhouse app, go ahead and download it. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Also available in your Apple and Google Play stores is the Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O, available Yes, it is. Download that app and take us on the go. And for quality music while you work or play, log on to www.qmzradio.com for good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone who joined me here on Clubhouse. Thank you so much. Of course, this is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me, and you were listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. We're testing out 1 p.m. to see how it goes all right <laughs> this is where i read the news and we share our views always great conversation shared views varying opinions and interesting perspectives whatever you do wherever you go i do ask that you please be safe and look forward to having you join me live online on QMC Reddit. Dot com and johnnoreader.com tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful rest of your day and please take care. Everything and that time, anything goes. Take a chip, take a chip, take a chip, take a chip now. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, wow. Take a sip, take a sip, take a sip, take a sip now.